Chris Davis takes it in the back of the end zone. He'll run it after the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. Here goes Davis. Oh, my God. This is going running all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. And tonight, hey, it was BYOG bring your own guts. And they brought some guts and some heart, and they never quit until the last one. Kick is blocked. Kick it to the He's joining the ESBC, thank God, ESBC, uh, how to bet the college football conferences and spirits you're doing. In 2022, every year is different. Uh, having the episode notes, the top 10 rules betting college football and any other uh, sport we cover. Number two rule, number one rule is, especially for college football, benefit from it. Never bet your own team. Number two rule is always do your research to here in the middle of summer, I've made a lot of money doing research on college football, taking a break from my other two businesses. So, who the hell are we? Why should you listen to what we say about college football? Uh, I made $71,000 by the grace of God only in America, betting college football last year. I had a survival get guilt. I'll teach anyone how to bet college football. I have an MBA, securities licenses, clients that worth $50 million and above for a decade plus. They keep coming back because I hustle and do extra things for them, right? Whatever they need, the answer is yes. At a restaurant in North Park, Florida, in 1997, I invested $6,000 and sold it for $800,000. And... Uh, 2003, we had George Steinbrenner, Andy Grove, Malcolm Villager come into the restaurant. Got a word of mouth. So uh, I know a little bit about business. So what we do is we apply business and financial concepts in order to uh, between 52.5 and 80 percent accuracy. Make profit. So 52.5% is break even. Last year, college football, we were, I believe, around 61%. Started hot. We were in the uh, 70, 80s, and we ended at 61%. Then we went to 10 and 3, conference championship week, we were 10 and 3, and then we're 65%. <laughs> 65% bowl season. <laughs> and that all equals $71,000. So this preview you're listening to today, the sound of my voice is worth, technically, if you went to school and I did a paper academically, worth $71,000. Okay? So, we'll get into some business concepts, but first, we'll get into other business concepts. If you are the toughest, smartest person in the room going to the wrong room. Companies that are diverse make 45% more free cash flow. Then it's important. It comes up all the time. Revenue is not important. It's a lie. Somebody says revenue, 
That's how you do a business they're lying to. Because uh, what's important is profit, free cash flow. And that $71,000 is profit. It is minus the losses and uh, the time involved. Highest and best use of your time, especially as a sports fan, watching college football. That's what makes this, uh, on top of the $71,000, whatever your time is worth, is value on top of it. My time is worth $300 now. That's the highest I charge. There's lawyers that I hire who, who charge $1,200, $1,500. Bucks. That's how much money they're taking. So for diversity, we have Scott Cove from the Northeast, from Mass, who gives us regional diversity. Doesn't give us age diversity because he's as old as I am. But we should bring you over. Like, if you used to stay in wrestling, combined weight, we bring you uh, 55 years of life. And they say that in Orange County, California, where I live, buy a house and to live good, you need to make uh, $200,000. But then mass, you need to make two hundred. But he's surviving up there in Mass and uh, giving us regional diversity where you hear guys from the same part of the country, uh, you hear guys that went to school together or whatever. That doesn't give you diversity, especially diversity of thought. But Scott gives us regional diversity and Scott does a lot of research. And we don't do research for research sake, like uh, Cliff Faven from Pierce, he did research just to research. We do research for the highest and best use of our time watching sports and making 71000 college, and I made over 100000 NFL. After that goes in taxes, so you can you know, divide them too, but still, it's the highest and best use of my time watching other football throughout. So thank you, Scott, for joining us, and what are your first thoughts? As we dive into in a lot of detail into the how to how how to bet these teams, how to use business and financial concepts for them, and uh, into the ACC in general. My pleasure to be here. You know, I'm always happy to do this, this stuff um, on the research topic. If you don't do your research, you fall behind. You lose your bets. You lose your money. You know, so you got to put the time in to do the research. To make the money so and that's that's what i've done with the acc so hopefully we can get some people lots of money just on the acc alone you know and then overall in the college in the college landscape overall so yeah i'm happy to do this you know some people crammed too so i remember last year uh people crammed all the conferences in a row yep i, I know I, I i imagine people are going to binge it uh, I encourage people on the live streams, Twitch, uh, other live streams we have to take notes, uh, especially this type of podcast. I think all of them, but really this one, uh, almost a requirement to take notes. You will go back taking these notes when, because these, uh, sometimes these games come out early in the morning. We think they're at the yep. bottom of the conference. And you want to bet the game, but you don't know anything about the teams. 
So you read the tarot right. rules of betting. So I think the other rule of betting that it, uh, it comes into is uh, never bet blindly, which is, which is part of always do your research. So never bet blindly. Because even if you win or whatever, you're getting into a bad habit. Yep. Never bet blindly. That's how you end up getting into a long losing streak. Unnecessarily. Right. You're betting these games blindly, right? So you never bet any of these games uh, blindly. So we are going to go in alphabetical order, no particular order. For that, I'm going to do some foundational stuff because that'll make sense a lot of things I'm talking about. Two things that I'll talk about foundationally, and we'll get your thoughts, uh, Scott. Uh, yeah. A lot of this, especially the second half of the football season, as coaches uh, in the NFL, as coaches, there's two types of coaches, right? Coaches who have designed adjustments every quarter of the season. John does that. Belichick, Carroll, they're sitting right now in summer, deciding before training camp starts what schemes and things they're going to do based on mini camp, based on the first fake training camp that went on in June, how the draft pick looked, how they've done on other teams, what they're going to do each quarter of the season. And then you have coaches like Kingsbury that shoot by the hip and go week to week and do yep. in-season adjustments, right? So that's fundamental yep. analysis, right? Uh, in my other life, wealth management investments, right, and decision science to get investments, uh, to evaluate investments, companies. Uh, that I've just been asked to be on the board of a company. I sit once a week to give me $2,000 that Anna agreed was $2,000 I just put into the bank. To say that a company and evaluate their, their upcoming campaigns and investments, right? How do I do that, right? Through decisions, using decisions. When they're hiring me, they're hiring my application of decision science. Is that book right up my right shoulder? Decision science on how to make decisions. And then you have the, the debate between fundamental analysis and technical analysis. I could do both and you use both. But nobody's ever gotten rich using technical analysis. People have gotten rich using fundamental analysis. And one of the big tenets and one of the big five factors of fundamental analysis is corporate governance. We are, and I encourage people really uh, to listen to this podcast from a year from now. Because then you find out, because this is all about what Elon Musk says. So, right now, July 13, 2022, Elon Musk going court over his investment in Twitter. Elon Musk just man in the world, right? Right? Where it's whatever, $100 billion or more. So, he said that you get to the truth, and then when you get to the truth, you can predict outcomes. So, being poor middle class, 
I say you get to the closest to the truth as possible. Because we don't have the information he has. He has the best scientists, he has the best finance people, he has the best surveillance, satellites. He can do his own it's his own spy agency if you want for major government. He has a lot more information than we do. Maybe he can, in his mind, get to the exact truth. We can. We can get close to the truth. He predict out. And then Scott and I, being as old as we are, combined 100 years plus, we have experience to add on to our investigation and research news to predict out. In this specific case, it's predicting old football games in the ACC, <laughs> which I can do complex derivatives to make $71,000. But I'd rather bet on conflict than going about that. The conflict derivatives, right? Does that make sense? And that's why we talk a lot about the coaching staff and then the control these guys have over these over these players is, is immense. They're the god of the universe. And when you talk about selective prosecution, they're almost like Trump, where Trump says, "I can shoot a gun to that and you kill three people, and I'll get away with it." And to this point, he had. To this point, uh, Jameis Winston in this conference, two quarterbacks in the conference, had literally gotten away with sexual assault and rape. That yep. I would be in jail for 20 years for. But he'd gotten yep. away from it because of selective prosecution advantage uh, football players have. No putting any value judgment. We're just evaluating so we can make money in games. The second point I'll make from a big picture Right, is going to be about marginal utility. What do you think about that, that first point as, as we dive into these teams? Yeah, I totally agree. And, and what you got to think of in the in the college game is these head coaches have these young men's careers and futures in their hands. You know, all these guys that you see at the draft had to be molded from what they came into college as to what they come into the NFL as. And they don't do it. They do it themselves, you know, body, their body look and everything else, but their head coaches, their uh, line, you know, Zion Johnson up in BC went to the Chargers this year. Perfect example. The offensive line coach had to mold him in terms of his footwork, his, you know, how he blocked, how we, you know, how we get off the, you know, the snap, stuff like that. So these head coaches have a lot more responsibility in college than the, sometimes than the pro coaches do because they're molding young men into grown men who want to go on and play at the next level, which is the NFL. So, you know, there's a lot more responsibility. There's a lot more coaching. There's a lot more technique. There's a lot more, you know, a lot more of a lot of things in the college game. So totally agree with the first point. And, you know, the two quarterbacks that we talked about in, the, in this conference alone that have had mis, mis steps, right. uh, you know, they've made those decisions on their own. Their college coaches did not make the decisions for them. So, um, you know, their college coaches get them ready. And those two guys have been very successful NFL quarterbacks in their own right. So, you know, you got to really watch, and it starts in college and right. it goes to the pros. You have to have a mindset of, I'm not going to mess my future up 
I need to do what's right for my family and for myself. So, and, and for my college coach too, to show that he, he did the right thing with me to get me ready. So. Yeah, 100%. In the next uh, big picture item, right? Uh, next big picture item is marginal utility. It's my favorite about college. Because we had a chat on the podcast who should be in the NFL, has a talent to be in the NFL. Is it for political reasons? Professor in college. Why has in the United States, just for the last, uh, you know, 150 years, Cuba in the United States have had uh, the resources to make a bridge between Key West and uh, Cuba? And the reason to this day that a bridge hasn't been built, it's only 90 miles. And the reason with the technology both countries have is they have not built a bridge between Cuba and the Key West is political. Not because of the capability, but purely political reasons. Not economics. The professor said, oh, political and economic reasons. Not economic. Purely political reasons is because there's not a bridge between, uh, Cuba and the uh, United States. So marginal utility, I'll read, I'll read the definition from it. It's the benefit gained from consuming one additional good or service. So what that means specifically to us in, in uh, evaluating the ACC, evaluating teams and upsets and situations, is that out of the top college football players, about 128 are in the first four rounds. So you, you times that by four, that makes it maybe six, seven hundred guys, or let's say we're doing that 128 times four, right? Four years, maybe five years, 512 players. So about 512 players, right? Uh, in all of our football, are going to be drafted in the first quarter. So that means that player 513 to 2000 on any given day can be just as good as those guys in the first four rounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got access to, access to the gym, the strength and conditioning coach in Georgia. Kirby Smart stole from Lake St. in Alabama, makes $1.2 million, right? Uh, The strength and conditioning coach at Alabama, he makes a million dollars. Strength and conditioning coach at Notre Dame makes $600,000. But now those assistants who learn from them are Dispersing themselves all through college football. Some some come close to becoming head coaches. So there's not much difference between player 513 and player 2000. And we see it every year when FCS schools 
were just as good as FBS schools upset the other schools because one through twenty-two. I my experience monetizing these games and making seventy-one thousand dollars on these games. Is that one through twenty-two? Really, there's no difference as a whole. Great, you have a great quarterback. Great, you have a great offensive lineman. But all eleven players have to work in cohesion. So <laughs> literally, if you have eleven players that aren't executing and have more, more talent than eleven other players who are almost just as good but are more motivated at executing, there, there, you, there, you have an upset. And for us, we don't even need an upset. We just need to cover the spread. What, what do you think about that, Scott? Before you start with Boston College. I agree. I mean, we talked about it pre-show on this, and I can't agree more is that you, the school, when you look at the first round in the NFL draft, you see what schools go, Alabama, Georgia, Notre Dame on given years. Um, you know, those first four rounds are very important to teams. When you look at Five rounds four through seven, basically. Right. I can only remember one player in those rounds amounting to anything, and that's Tom Brady. And it's Tom Brady. Teams. Well, Russell Wilson was a six round. Russell Wilson, yeah, Russell Wilson was another guy. But um, there's very few guys in the later rounds of NFL drafts that ever amount to having a solid to above average career. And, and there's, there's a reason why. First three rounds, tons of guys end up being stars and superstars in the NFL. But after that, I'd say about 1% to 2% ever amount to much of anything in the NFL. So, totally agree. Totally agree. When you look at, when you look at these ACC teams, a lot of them, there's not much difference between uh, – say, fourth place and 10th place or 11th place. Not much difference at all when you look at those teams at the end of the year. But top three, bottom three, much, much different. You know, there's a lot of difference between those teams and the others. So. And then, you know, as the season moves along, uh, the value changes, right, in the marketplace because you're getting pumped up by ESPN. Yep. We say yep. ESPN inflated line, new blood inflated line. That's what we're talking about. And then styles make fights. Maybe exactly. Point to Clemson, and they got all five star defensive guys. They're like, okay, we got bigger fish to fry. Let's bring in the second and thirteen guys. We don't yep. want to blow them out. We don't need to cover the spread, thirty point spread. All we need to do is get out of here with a win. Exactly. Right. So you got a thirty two point spread, and it's Clemson. Clemson's up 21 to nothing. Go online and the uh, in game betting line is 62 points. And, and yep. it's the whole game, and they're fired up, the other, the little team, and they make a furious comeback in the second half and lose the game uh, 21 17. Yep. Just cover 70, 52 points spread. And, and, that's, and that's what you're looking at, coaches. Whether you believe it or not, they control the they control the point spreads a, little, a lot more than pro coaches. So, you know, they, they don't know what the point spreads are, but they'll say, "Okay, we're up, we're up thirty-one nothing." 
in, in the middle of the third quarter, let's start pulling guys. And all of a sudden, the other team scores a couple of touchdowns and they cover the spread. Yeah, well, they wouldn't. Have, they would not have covered the spread if that coach had not pulled out some of the starters to start with. Exactly. So, you know, when you look at lines and overs unders and stuff like that, you, you kind of have to dig really deep into into that stuff. So, no, and you have to do your research. You have to yeah, absolutely which, which coaches are looking at points for and which coaches aren't. I know. Yep. Um, Dennis Franchoni, which which will come up. If Dennis Franchoni coached Alabama, and the guy that became a uh, mortal enemy of him became Donald Sweeney because he was on the previous staff, and Franchoni did not uh, hire him. And Franchoni got in trouble. He was head coach at uh, Texas A&M because he was giving the alumni, that rich alumni, uh, money. He was giving them um, a secret newsletter with uh, information so they could bet millions of dollars on the game. So, and this was before it was legal, before betting was legal. So imagine what's going to happen. That it is legal. So that's why you have to do your research on, you know, who's who and what is what. Now I have the added, uh, I had the advantage here in Southern California of going to the gym and, you know, uh, people ask you for a spot or you're sitting next to, uh, this happened to me that I can talk about, that I can speak to. I was bench pressing. And I was best pressing a lot more, a lot frequent. And I was at this time, I was like 28 years old. And I was next to a safety that played at Arizona State. <laughs> and another defensive back who was playing for UNLV. And they came over to me and they're like, Sir, sir, uh, can you give us some tips on bench pressing? And man, that was crazy. And I'm like, Oh, yeah. And like, you know, not to be offensive, but you're an older gentleman, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> He's doing a lot more than us. And I taught him how to venture. I'm like, who are you? Oh, I'm wide receiver Arizona State. Oh, who are you? I'm, you know, defensive back. It was like two defensive backs. One for Arizona State. One for, um, you know, Lee. We're in Rebels. And they had both gone to high school here in Southern California. They were at the gym. And, you know, you know me, I started asking questions. And I'm like, yeah. I remember he said, can you remember he intercepted the pass? Pick six. And he, it was pick six, UNLV game, and it was, uh, the score was 34 14. Gets in the end zone. He remembered hearing the cheers. He was like, why are these people cheering? We're down by so many points. It's because he picked six, he had covered the spread in the last game. <laughs> he goes to the sideline and they were telling him about the spread. So this guy's on the team, this guy's on the sidelines, and they can feel it from the crowd, especially in Vegas, X amount of people betting a certain way. Right? So that's all things you factor in, right? Because uh, in finance, you eliminate variables and co variables to get to a result. 
and big variable is your corporate governance. All right, so let's get into the teams here. The preface it, and a lot of it is so you know what we're talking about. Let's go through it, and you go to the previous podcasts and start uh, listening to it. That I might not have been as in depth. We have Chad here. I mean, uh, Scott here. Uh, that I couldn't be as in, as in depth in those yeah. podcasts. Even though I did try to throw it in, but it make, makes things make more sense. It's the how to's, and if somebody kills me tomorrow, uh, you can still make a lot of money on the see I'm dead, and you're still making money on the ACC 2022. How's give somebody a fishing for a day, teach them how to fish, teach them for that. So the first thing I look is, and what are your thoughts on that? First, we stepped in. Then, you're a Yeager, right? Would say that again? Yeah, your thoughts on uh, the foundation we laid out before we get into Boston College? It's it's a hundred hundred percent accurate, hundred percent true. You need you need to as as a better as a, a person, either getting into this this genre or whatever. You need to have a foundation as to how you're going to bet, and you need to do your research. So, um, the foundation of the groundwork has been laid. Over, you know, we've talked about it a lot. Um, but I, I totally agree hundred percent. You know, I have a foundation when I go, go to the window and bet or right before when I start looking at this stuff. So, um, and I go through it, you know, I've done a lot of research on this, you know, some teams you, you, you need to do research, but some teams you need to do it a, a thousand percent more research on. So that's, that's, I agree with you hundred percent. You need to lay the foundation and that foundation is, is solid and it's worked time and time again. So. Boston College, the thing I look at, is this a developmental team or is this a blue blood team? And Boston College, in that area, uh, I would consider Boston College, uh, when you look at marginal utility, Boston College is in between. I think it's Boston College, there's money involved. Yep. They're, uh, Last two ABs did a great job raising money for the university. Yep. Hyper wealthy area. Uh, you get a cap college, you get a tax deduction for donating to the school. So it's that old money in New England. Because you're getting a lot unlimited dollars, right? Uh, that's where they can hire these good coaches. You're in an area that understands football. Because it's, you know, yep. it's, you've had a Tim Hasselback, right? We've had a Tom Coxman. Yep. And a name that's going to come up, okay, we look at corporate governance, which is in fundamental analysis. We've gotten people with technical analysis. that hasn't gotten anybody rich, right? Right. Uh, right. Is the fact that Jack McNell, Jack McNell is able to win at Boston College. Yep. Jeff Haley's a coach. He's in his third year there. Are they a developmental team or blue blood? I think they're in the middle. Yeah, they are. You know, I agree. They're a developmental team. This is what uh, the last coach looked at my ass. He kept going 786. The rich alumni think they can do better. Next year, uh, they go 5 and 6, pandemic year, 6 and 5, pandemic year. 
remember the developmental teams had an advantage last year and they have an advantage this year, the extra COVID. And now the you had the guy at BYU who played for eight years. If you have redshirt year, you for two years basically. If you play four games, developing your body, and yep. then you play the rest of the year, or you play three games early and then you play in the bowl game four. I don't know if the bowl, they were going to legislate that, whether the bowl game mattered. Either way you cut it, that gives you two years and then four years to play. Then you got a COVID year. That was seven years of college football. You had developing your body, maybe going to graduate school to play football. You're ready to see a pro football player and not be, you know, graded enough or have the connections or the, or the political uh, stature to get yourself to the NFL. But you've been playing college football peewee league. Then you went into Pop Warner. Then for Pop Warner, you went to freshman team. Then you played varsity. And now you play seven years college football. <laughs> you can come up with some plays at some point in time. So the developmental teams had an advantage. Uh, they go six and five. They go six and six. Uh, they game against Clemson plus 15. That was a gimme. Because what you're doing to, this is the other part of it is, you're hiding plays. You do best when you do best in summer and, and fall. You're hiding it for the big game. So uh, Boston College was hiding what they did on defense until they played Clemson. Clemson had a horrible offensive team. Yep. That game was a game I won both sides of that bet. It was plus yep. 15. The game ended up 13-19, but it just killed the momentum they had. Starting the season 4-0, it showed all the cards in that Clemson game because they had to win. And then they just ended up winning two more games at the end for the rest of the season. And in the bowl game, they got it, it was canceled because of COVID. Right. Yes. Six, they returned eight on defense. Remember, this yep. guy, he's a coach. He coached for Greg Shiana. And especially yep. in this league, we go, okay, who's your coaching heritage? Uh, what does that mean to us? It means to us a 4 2 5 defense. Describe that defense in the Pac-12 preview with Chance Nolan starting quarterback in Oregon State. The 425 defense, this guy like to run. He would defensive co-defensive coordinator sort of with Shiano. You know Shiano ran that defense at Ohio State. But he coached with Shiano at Tampa Bay 12-13. The new offensive coordinator. Was the offensive trainer where? At Rutgers. <laughs> right? For that, the coach for that was a Keanu Disciple. The guy the Boston was, thing. Exactly. Uh, best, see who right? You see who their opening game is against this year? Rutgers, Keanu. It's French Keanu. Yep. After you research, that, that spells under. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, let me see. Let me see if we can find that line. So, what are your thoughts uh, on Boston College? So, when you look at Boston College, here's what you look at: their non-conference games they usually win by a lot. Yeah. So they they usually start up with their non-conference schedule. Like like this year, they got Maine, UConn, Rutgers. Those those teams they could beat, and they probably will. 
It's when they get in the conferences where they they struggle and to win games. Right. So you have to you have to look at their conference schedule, and you have to you have to look at uh, who they're playing. They're the best thing about Boston College is that their coaching staffs are very fundamentally sound. Right. Very. The one thing that I always look at is how you do in the trenches, offensive line, defensive line. And BC usually runs the ball very, very well year after year. Right, that's right. If you look at right, because you coach high school there, basketball was still the same thing. Uh, they always had those big guys. Yep. Mass hole there. Right. Yes. Boston, they used to call people outside of Boston mass holes. You know, that right. farmland, spring, you know, Springfield, all that, you know, all that farmland mass. And then yep. the Berkeley, top five uh, states for recruits in the country. So they should be able to pick one or two offensive linemen from there, have three yep. or four offensive linemen every year from Massachusetts, Mass, New Hampshire, up into Canada, Maine. They should get three or four offensive linemen from there. It's cornfed guys who you throw in the gym to lift weights. Yeah, when, and when they recruit, they don't go after the top, top recruit. They go after the, the guys in the middle, they and, they usually re, yeah, and they usually recruit close to home. Right. They, they do not go out west. They do not go down south. It's usually in the New England region, New York, Virginia, that type of region that they, they recruit. Right. So when I look at them this year, he's a defensive-minded coach. He has eight players back on the defensive side of the ball. Right. That's huge it's because good. now – well, I'll yep. people looking at things. I know people, uh, Tom Nicholson, you know, listening to the podcast, putting a million dollars on our picks. Yep. Come on, man. Come on, Phil. Uh, you know, Scott and I do well, but we're not on your level, man. Tip us out. And Phil. We did not just sign a $4 million contract with Live Golf to play golf. $121 million guaranteed up front, $4 million a year. Yep. Yeah. So, so with with me, BC, I think is going to be in most ACC games. I think. Yeah. I think they're gonna they're gonna pick off one or two of these these games that are gonna that are, are gonna be three points or less. because they know each other. Yep. And they're gonna be they're friends, so they're gonna be working on fundamentals. Uh, uh, my personal opinion is if they can start two and all this year. They have a great shot at going to a bowl game. Great shot at going to a bowl game. They need to beat Rutgers. Year is uh, six point five wins. Yep, yep. So they're always in contention for a bowl game coming down the stretch. Always. I don't remember the last time they were out of out of contention for a bowl game. Their coaching staff does a tremendous job. You know, I, I think they're going to keep teams on the lower scoring side this year. I think they're going to, the average points given up are going to be in the low 20s. Um, yeah, somebody like a Wake Forest. The total on the Rutgers uh, Boston College game, when I do the, the, when I do the, uh, the Big Ten, yep. that's going to join me right now. When I do the Big Ten, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give out the record team. But right now, that 51 as a total, that's, that's, way, that's way too high. Too high. Both teams have bigger first try later in the season. I mean, 
Boston College has Florida State September 24th at Florida State. Again, in the heat, second half line. Yep. In Florida State right now. Absolutely. At the end of this game, but in the heat, going up there, that's going to be a problem for them. Yep. Yeah. Virginia Tech, which is a league game the next week, they're just going to have to just physically bang into each other, fundamental style of football. This lends the, the game to be 17 10. So that's Rutgers plus eight under 51 points. Yep. Yep. I agree. I totally agree. And and I agree with the with the Florida State second half line too. I can I can see Boston College Wilton. But I but I will tell you this. On their offensive side with six returners, their quarterback is back. And when he played last year before he got injured, they were scoring almost fifty points a game. So this this guy According to what I read, could be an NFL prospect when he's ready to come out. So, problem, you know, is, this is where the developmental stuff comes in. Now, he's coached college before. Yep. So it's going to be key for him with only 20 starts, because I always look at that. Yes. The offensive line, the more, uh, this is more and more and more looking like I'm, I'm going to put, you know, I'm going to put $100 right now on. Sight unseen. We're going to deliver after the podcast. We're going to do a little research on records. But before yeah. I do a little research on records, with 20 guys starting on the offensive line, athletes going to have to be good with the transfers. Yes. Portal. Yes. And from junior college. And he needs to coach him up. And then he's going against Shiano. And what's Shiano's specialty? Defensive line. Defensive. Exactly. This guy's exactly. going to be playing for his, his life. Does Halfley have a backup you can put in to keep this guy safe? Because he, he has Virginia Tech next week, and he has Maine, and then he has Florida State. He yes. got healthy for those games, and you only have 20 starts on that offline. So he's going to be a big coach again. Tyler Brable. Yeah, who, who, who son is that? Related to him. You're going to have to look at that. Yep. Up tackle. But the thing with BC is this. When. Yurkovich was in a quarterback that scored all those points. When he went out, they struggled to score anything. So, to me, with Hasley's background, being a defensive coach, they're going to run the ball a lot. They're going to play solid defense. And you're going to look at a lot of unders with Boston College this year. Right. Because I I think – Let's say he does coach him up. You gotta wonder about the depth on the offensive line. Will they bring in a backup in? Yep. The back yep. he does hasn't uh, played a lot of football. And when you think about it, you talked about the Clemson game last year. That was no fluke. That nineteen thirteen game. That was no fluke. Okay. okay. Find the coaches. That was Halfley at his best in that game in the high profile. Young offense breaking in new coordinators. So Tyler Brable is the son of head coach Mike Brable. Mike Brable. Yep. 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 And they um both the tackle. The line linebackers are a strength in the NFL. So Tyler Brable is in the NFL. But yep. what that lends to us is coaching tree and the coaching philosophy. These are part of the Bill Bell sheet, make Satan yes. Mafia. Yes, no doubt. The kids no doubt. Won three Super Bowls with Belichick, whatever, was the starting left tackle here. Yeah. 
it's not like this is a blue book program. And that leads to the credence, I think, that Mike Rabel wants to go make $10, $15 million as a college coach. And bring yeah. it it says it's going to be offensive coordinator, uh, offensive line coach. Right. And, and, and the other thing you have to realize against BC is they get a lot of rushing yards, but they also give up a lot of rushing yards. Right. So teams are going to run the ball against them, smash mouth game, and what do we know about the run game? It chews the clock up. Under. It chews the clock running. This is – we've talked about in the NFL podcast last year. Right. Under teams – this is one of them in the ACC. This is an under team. When you come to BC or you, or you play in BC, you better bring your hard hat because they're going to run the ball and they're going to they're gonna play defense like no other team in the ACC. They could be a top five, top four ACC defensive team this year. That's how good he is as a coach. And with their experience back again, second year in the system, another year in the system, they will only get better and better. And I look at teams like this very closely. So, it's that quarterback, the biggest improvement teams make is between the first and second game. Yep. That Rutgers game, win or lose, at Virginia Tech, Maine, at Florida State, that looks like a big loss. Yep. Home in Clemson, again, that could be a big win for them. That yep. Clemson is coming, and we'll get into them a little bit. They're coming yep. off off year. So that means that this year, uh, they should be hitting on all cylinders. Yep. But then you have bye week, and then you go at Wake Forest, UConn. Right there, we're looking at five wins at this point, six with Duke. Yep. At NC State could be a better team in that conference at Notre Dame. And Syracuse at home, 6.5 uh, wins. I wouldn't touch it because uh, no, no, be, because like you, like you said, they're gonna have five wins probably coming up to those last three games. Right. They could win two of them. They never play well in, in, in finales, in home finales. Never play well. They've lost four of their last five straight up. And they're two and three against the spread in home finales. And I remember Syracuse. Problem would be is two offensive linemen are hurt. They'll lose all three games. Yes, yes. And you remember, I think it was three years ago, Syracuse came up here in the same situation, home finale. BC needed it to get to a, get to a bowl, a better bowl game, and they lost to right. Syracuse. So to me. They're going to sit at five wins going to the NC State game. They're not going to win at Notre Dame. They, they just won't. I don't believe. And then something so, with a CEO, right? I got an MBA. And if you want business. In national news, as by the extent I know, in when I do these NFL podcasts, and I talk about the real intelligence, situational intelligence, not national news that backs me up, right? You go into an elementary school, and there's a bunch of six, seven-year-old kids getting shot up by a mass shooter. Yeah. Running as a cop, the commander says, Josh, Scott, I know you have a shield. I know you have a machine gun, but stop. I go, hey, Scott, I'm going to drop this, get, kick this guy, and I'm going to go in and start shooting. You say, okay, that's situation with intelligence. 
we are violating the law. We're uh, violating protocol, but it's the right call. It's situational intelligence. And when you look at a corporate guy governing an organization, he really seems like follower, not leader. He's not yeah. Bill Belichick. Yep. In the Bible, there's this guy, he's fighting demons. He says, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Paul, and the demons go away. So we know who Jesus is. We know who Paul is. Who are you? He doesn't seem like the situational analysis. They all go into NC State as two linemen hurt. Yeah. And we're going to bring in the backup and we're going to run the wishbone, which we haven't practiced or ever read it before. We're going to go because we got two offensive linemen hurt to win this game because we need one game to go to the bowl. He doesn't seem like that type of guy. Who can, no, he's not. Right? No, I, I think he takes it game by game. I don't think he's going to look at the last three games and say, we need one win to get to the bowl game. I think he's going to say, let's win all three. That's what he's going to say. Or are we going to stick to the plan we have for the last four games of the season? Yeah, yeah. And the two the two things, as you said, one is the offensive lineman, and the second is the quarterback. If he's injured and cannot play in, in any, you know, three, four-game stretch, they're going to be in trouble because he he's, he's their offense right now. Right. It looks like, based on, you just look at the stats last year and you say, okay, they scored 48 with them. They only averaged in the low 20s without him. Right. So, to me, that tells me that you need to keep this guy healthy for all 12 games. Right. And he's the type of quarterback where he's going to put his body on the line every play, every game. So, and you're at more risk of injury when you do that. So, to me, BC is the type of team that needs to be healthy throughout the whole team, the whole year, to be in, in contention for a bowl game at the end of the year. But I think they will be yeah, in contention. I see what I tell them. Yeah, we want to get to He can't drop back. He can't take no. a step drop or none of that stuff. He needs to roll him out. Right. Three-step drops, get rid of the ball. Right. Do is run block. But these guys yep. are going to have to be able to run the ball. Yeah. And And – you, you know for a fact they're going to be double-digit dogs to Clemson. They're going to be double-digit dogs to Wake Forest. Right. Both games. They're going to be double-digit dogs. They're going to cover them. They're going to cover Clemson game for sure. No doubt. Now you, no doubt. Now you watch Boston College, right? Let's say they lose to Rutgers. And we'll, and we'll go on to Clemson then. Yep. Let's say they lose to Rutgers. They lose to Virginia Tech at home. They shouldn't because Virginia Tech is a new team. Yep. This and that. Yep. On the rosters we're looking to Virginia Tech. Let's say, give them a win or loss in that game. Virginia Tech? Yeah. I say they're one, I think they'll beat Virginia Tech. Right. So I think they'll be one one. You go to Florida State and get beat by Florida State. They're two and two going to Clemson. Yep. Plus 22 homecoming at Boston. Now Clemson knows that the, the film for the previous Games are worthless. Yep. He's going to come with a new, brand new game plan, new schemes on defense against Clemson. They don't use anyone. Because a win against Clemson is almost worth three, right? Absolutely. No doubt. At home, because then, heck, you're going to sell the rest of the games for the rest of the season. Yep. Yeah. You know, like billionaire in Boston, 
who gives a million dollars to each school in Boston, we'll give another million to Boston College through this game. Right? Because Clemson going into that game is what? Top three in the country? Top right. four in the country? The undefeated number one team in the country. Yep. Plus 32. Maybe going against a two and two, maybe a one and three Boston College team. This looked yep. horrible. You got yep. a brand new team against Clemson. I'm not going to say they're going to beat Clemson, but the under, and they covered it us plus 15 last year, is something you might want to look at. And, and the other big thing with their schedule is they have a buy after Clemson. So so there's, the coaching staff is saying, all right, you can rest the next week. We're going to put everything out there against Clemson. And they'll cover the spread. They may win outright. It, it's possible. Uh, but I, they can't be. If you're a coach, I think I have a hammy. I think I have an SEL. My yep. foot broken. You're like, you have a buy next week. <laughs> yeah. Yep. We're back out there. Yes. They'll have a guy with shots. And they might only have a guy with shots only for this game. Yep. If that gets hurt, they shoot him up and bring him in. They say, hey, listen. Exactly. Boston College alumni is worth uh, X amount of billions of dollars. I'll look at their endowment. I always like looking at the endowment. The endowment yeah. Uh, whatever it is, that could be crazy, but it helps me. The money's real. I could be crazy, but the cash tickets are real. Teams with large endowments seem to do well without things being equal to home games. Okay. It's just because there is a lot of money online. Boston College endowments, I know, you know, $1.2 billion. <laughs> just in the Boston. So they have two endowments. They have just one in Boston, $1.2 billion. Yep. And for Outside, they've separated for outside Boston alumni, it is four billion dollars with a B. And what is an endowment? That is cash, free cash flow. It's cash after all the expenses, scholarships, everything else has been paid. Yep. So that, that game, that's almost we talk about UC and USC a year getting a billion dollars to go play. In the the Big uh, Ten, Big Ten, yeah. You're looking at uh, that game could be worth a hundred million. No doubt, no doubt. If they're three and one and they beat Clemson, and to go to four and one, they got some serious momentum. Or if it's just a boring game, 21, 21 16. You know, we and that's what beat. We got our plus thirty two. And that's what BC wants to do. Yeah. And, and that's what they want to do. So. Clemson wants to win each game 17-10. Oh, no doubt. <laughs> Listen, they they don't have Trevor Lawrence and, and company on their roster anymore. Right. So that Devil Sweeney's happy to get out of each game 21-17. Right. With the win. So that's what I think. Right. So we'll get to our guy, Devil Sweeney. We have him in the... Beginning of uh, the podcast, I have a, you know, David Sweeney kind of speech going. Uh, they got nine coming back on offense. Yep. Got nine coming back on offense. Seven five career starts on the offensive line. 
So these are metal or blue blood. They are blue blood because they won a few national titles. And they won a national yep. title back in the day, 1980, they won a national title. Coaching tree. It seems like the ACC is either Bill Belichick, Nick Satan, a football mafia, or the Christian Baptist sound family. And I go, right? Gabel Sweeney has won several national titles as a head coach. He was on the 1990 Alabama national title team with Gene Stallings, right? How about some corporate governance here? Gene Stallings. It's won six straight ACC titles. He is a he's he he's a recruiter, not an X's and O's guy. He's not an X's and O's guy. He's a recruiter. At one point in time, he comes from a trouble background. Doesn't seem like he's over it. You know, he'll break down and cry any moment, even though yeah. you know he has all this money. Uh, they said because of that, he needed to become a preacher, right? So he's the type of preacher. My dad's a preacher. His GA and the history. Right? So, uh, my dad's a preacher. If he would, dad was Sweeney's a preacher. He's the type of preacher who you do not bring your checkbook or wallet to church. <laughs> All your money will be gone at the end of it. He, you know, and, I'm, and I'm a sucker for uh, coaches' speeches, and I'll, I'll find one of his right here that I've queued up. But uh, Davo can recruit. Davo can develop players because he learned that from the Bowden family. Uh, the coach at USF, Jeff Scott, been to the alumni meetings, and his dad, Brad Scott. I led him into Lakewood High School to recruit William Floyd for Florida State before he won a national title at Florida State in 82. Then a Super Bowl with the 49ers. His daddy went to Lakewood High School to recruit William Floyd. Now his son, his head coach at USF, won several national titles, recruited Trevor Lawrence and Hunter Renfro at Clemson. He always tells the Hunter Renfro story. Uh, Davil Sweeney Mother was living in the dorm room with him. He was a walk-on who earned a scholarship that album. So he has that mentality. So he won national titles like that. Not only is he a top-notch ace recruiter, he's great at developing coaches, uh, players. So his defense is always good. He has six coming back on defense, but since it's blue blood, it doesn't matter. They've got guys who can get by on pure talent. But to win as much as he does, as consistently as he does, he also knows how to develop with these guys. Make a third-round draft pick into a, a first-round draft pick. He's always good at that defense line. Always. No matter what, he's always good at the defense line. Nine coming back on offense, seven kicks up. Teams recruit in two year cycles. For Alabama, 
their two-year cycles is. They win an national title, they go to the playoffs and lose. Last year was their playoffs and lose. For Dabble Sweeney, he goes 10-2 and two playoffs, 14-1, 15-0, 12-2. 12 and 12 and Last year, 10-4. So, this is, he's been married to his wife, high school sweetheart, for 26 years. That means batting down the hatch. He wasn't looking for a new wife in the offseason. All he was doing was watching film, getting his team ready to go. So when I talk about religion with corporate governance, it's these guys. Are they married three or four times, chasing the tail, and hiring assistants to do the research, like Barry Switzer? Or are they Christian guys with 10 kids at home? They play with the kids, put them all to bed, even if they're teenagers at 9 p.m. They looking at film the rest of the night. That's, that was cool. I mean, she's probably going to go to the playoffs. Only going to cover half the time. He's going to go six to six just spread. But what you want to look at is younger. They score big on a big game. But how do they score? Do they get turnovers? with special teams? That's all they want to do. Because they don't want to hide their real offense and what they do for the playoffs. And for big games. Like at Notre Dame, the big game for them. I remember winning that or close to winning that when they uh, had Trevor Lawrence there. I didn't care who won that game. <laughs> I just knew I covered the stretch. It was Notre Dame with giving points at home. At Notre Dame, uh, it's their hiding place for. Lots of problems. I think they're going to play them straight up. Because next week, they're going to be at Florida State. Florida State should have. They're, they're really like Boston College in a way, Florida State, where they should have blue bloods. But they haven't developed them, and they haven't had the right schemes to put them in the right situation. Clemson, I think that's that's a game they're eyeing, and they're going to have off because uh, Dabo created a controversy against Florida State. Florida State canceled the game after they traveled, and he got super pissed off. He started going crazy, and this is an odd Chuck's goddamn Christian boppy boppy back to stuff. So he's getting upset and cursing and all that stuff. It's for a reason. He, he's trying to create a fake manufactured rivalry against Florida State. Because this is the other point I wanted to make, make sure I put in the notes. I put in everything. Steve Spurrier said, you can only get your team up for three games. So, three games he's looking at. Florida State, at Florida State, at Notre Dame, and then the playoffs. Right. South Carolina takes care of the South. They're in the same place. Uh, you know, rivalry game. That takes care of him. He's going to motivate him for the playoff. Uh, that's, that's Clemson. That's what I see with Clemson. What do you, what do you think, Scott? You're on music when we, when we take that. My fault. In the case of a Clemson, they look at the regular season as just the preseason. Because he he is ninety nine percent confident he's going to the playoffs. So having all these starters back is a good sign for them. Um, I could see them only losing one or two games this year. Which if they lose two, they're not getting to the playoff. I don't think. But if they lose one, I'm fairly certain they're getting it. So the, the offensive line was bruised and battered last year. 
for Clemson. So if they're better health-wise, I think they're going to be able to run the ball a whole lot better than they did last year. Right. And and I think their their overall outlook as a team will be a whole lot better because make no mistake about it, these coaches know one thing. They need to run the ball and they need to, to fully team around right. in the trenches. So for Darryl Sweeney, that's clearly evident that he wants to run the ball and impose his will on teams and on games. As we said when we talked about Clemson BC, Darryl Sweeney's perfectly happy with the twenty one seventeen. And not covering the spread the whole year. As long as he wins, as long as that, that record looks like 11 and 1, 10 and, you know, 12 and 0, whatever, and he gets to the playoff, he's perfectly fine with that. Defensive line will, is a strength of theirs. The defensive line played phenomenal last year. They're going to do it again this year. So they have the advantage in the trenches in most games. Right. The new offensive coordinator, you know, they have a new, new offensive coordinator, I believe. He's gonna. He's. Yeah, they have a book, and uh, Nick Satan explained it. I think this is what Bill Belichick is relying on. They have an offense in a book, and the coordinator within the framework of that offense. It's a yeah. little twist. Specific. This guy's been yeah. here ten years. Uh, he's been under Jeff Scott. His dad, Brad Scott, coaches Florida State. Yep. And yet, that's point. Because now there's whisp- whispers in recruiting. Can you win without Jeff Scott? Yeah. Yep. Win without Tony Elliott in the same conference. We always talked about, you know, coaches in the same conference. Let me just so people know how he sounds like. National championship team. Uh, I played at University of Alabama. Played on a national championship team. Um, I've coached All Americans. I've coached an ACC championship team. I've won the Bobby Dodd Award. I'm Dabo Sweeney. I'm the Clemson head football coach, but I'm just an average Joe. There they go. D Tracks, average Joe. So when he starts cursing, screaming, and stuff like that, you know that it is for you. Welcome to Memorial Stadium for our press conference today. To everybody watching, watching out there, and everybody listening, uh, because treat. I want to see you play like the elite team. Oh, you
<laughs> There's Dabble Sweeney, and before we left Clemson, Jeff Scott, he's an alumni meeting. He's like, hey, Hunter Renfro. I recruited five stars, and Hunter Renfro was me on the sidelines. I would put him in the game and put the five star on my sideline. And Hunter Renfro was now making what? He got $21 million guaranteed, Hunter Renfro. Yep. No yep. stuff. He's all enough. They can do so. But you can have a whole team of Hunter Renfro's. Right? Yeah. And chat type. Be as good as anybody else. That's what Duke's shooting for, right? So Duke is a quant one quintessential development. Have to develop talent there. They just had a great coach in Cutlass coach there who coached the yeah. Eli Manning. Uh now, Mike Elko comes from a quintessential male team in Wake Forest. Which one are some of the But a rich alumni. They always fight with Rice and they always fight with Vanderbilt. You know, it's like Walford, right? Walford has guys in the NFL. Uh, Harvard is out, just billionaire, right? You donate to them. So, uh, Mike Elko's first year head coach, defensive guy, he was at Texas A&M last year with our good friend, Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo. So, Jimbo Fisher is very important to us because Jimbo Fisher is in the Bill Belichick family. Uh, if you're the next eight members, child count a family. All right. So we know we know what defense they're gonna line up in the four two five. <laughs> they might not have as much talent and linebackers to run around, but that's what they're gonna develop. Then Kevin Johns, uh, who was at Memphis, defensive coordinator, they returns six on offense, five on defense. They have uh, 124 starts on that offensive line. They have an experienced offensive line. Those Belichick, Dabble Sweeney guys like running that football. Maybe he's going to have to do that. There's no problem with that because they have to recruit a certain type of guy. You got to do your research. Um, yeah. I do know that Northwestern is on a two-year cycle. Last year was their down cycle. So at Northwestern, they're probably going to go through. You always do your research. We're going to do the Big Ten. Yeah. But I think it's a rebuilding year. Um, it's, it's, you got to know how to coach these guys, your particular talent to have. Because these are full-on development. These are students. All these guys are going to make more money. Uh, working that alumni network and graduate from anything else. What are your thoughts on the Duke Blue Devils so far? Yeah. So, yeah, other than when they had David Cutcliffe there for a few years, um, they basically have struggled in terms of, you know, they've always been one of those developed, they've always been one of those teams that have 
over and over again, developed, 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 struggled in ACC in football. And I see that again this year, you know, new for, uh, new coach coming in. He was a defensive coordinator at Wake Forest in the mid-2000s. Uh, so he does have a little bit of familiarity with uh, places, schools, some of the coaches that have been there for a while. He does have that familiarity. So that'll help him a little. But, you know, they have a big-time weakness on the defensive line. And when a team has a big-time weakness on the defensive line, to me that says – Team's going to be able to run the ball against them, right. and and um, you know the strength of the defense is in their linebackers, so they're going to have to run the ball. They're going to have to stop the run to be successful in these games. I don't know how effective their offense can be. So um, you know they're playing. You know they can win some of the, if they can get some of these games early in terms of a Temple and maybe a Northwestern and maybe a Kansas that might build some confidence in yeah, them and in that. Yeah, no doubt. The, the opening game of the year, Temple, huge game for them. Right. Huge building block for them and their program. If they can – yeah. So to me, to me, like I said, when a team has a, a weakness on the defensive line, that screams run the ball against them. Right. So you'll see the passing numbers down against them, and everybody will say, oh, their, their secondary is really good. That's because teams are running the ball effectively against them. Yeah. So they, they may lose games 35 to 10 this year. You know, their in-conference schedule is is not extremely tough, but their back end is really tough with Pitt yeah. and Wake Forest and maybe, and maybe BC. Yeah. So to me, they're going to have to – they're not going to make a bowl game, I don't believe. I don't think they're even going to be in contention. You know, a couple things I saw on them. They're one and three on senior day. Right. You know, and they've lost by a combined total of 130 points. So senior day is Wake Forest, and Wake Forest is one of the best teams in the conference. So that's going to continue, I think. Right. And and they're going to have a tough, tough situation, you know, going into some of these games. So um, One thing you look for, right, it's because you saw senior day. You look for the recruiting game, right? On the schedule, which is the team that are going to bring 100 recruits, going to have them on the sidelines, you're going to have a big recruiting weekend. Sometimes it's, it's homecoming. Yeah. Right? You're bringing in a bunch of billionaire alumni. Oh, we're going to bring 25 billionaire alumni, and we're going to have a recruiting weekend. Do you think yep. billionaire alumni are not going to bring cash for those recruits? I don't know. If possible, I don't know. Selective prosecution, are the cops going to prosecute that? Are the NCAA... People with video, kind of, no, come on. So you, you got to research that. And you got to research what's going on in that game, what the line is in that game, what's going on. A lot of money to be bad. <laughs> there's, two, there's two teams I don't want to play on senior day in the ACC. Clemson, Wake Forest. <laughs> they got Wake Forest. So, Wake Forest has a lot of money, too. Yeah, so to me, they don't have a daunting schedule. But what they do have is a young, inexperienced team in some aspects, and they're going to go through growing pains this year. If Cutcliffe was there, I'd give him a better chance at making a bowl game, but Wait, he's not there. They have no chance of making a bowl game. No, not at all. Game they have. It's a non-conference schedule. Temple's going to be a big game. Because Temple probably has better talent than they do. So they're going to play them there. Yep. Temple has a great coach. 
uh, Northwestern. Absolutely. Down cycle at home. They're probably going to get blown out. Yep. North Carolina A&T. Even though North Carolina A&T, FBS team, early in the season, historically black college, I wouldn't, I don't care who they, you are, I wouldn't want to pay North Carolina A&T in their homecoming game. They're going to have a lot of good players. They have a lot of guys on the transfer portal. This and that, they're, you know, good for Stewart to be black college. But you, Duke, going in there, or they coming to you, you can't say, oh, this is a win. We got better talent than they Right? And the, and the one thing an uh, inexperienced better will say, oh, it's Duke and North Carolina A&T. Oh, Duke's going to win that game easy. Exactly. Not necessarily. That's not necessarily. Yeah, wait to maybe a half hour before that game. People get yep. people get to Vegas. They're like, oh, North Carolina A&T, Duke. Oh, I'm going to pound Duke. Fine. We see the line go our way, and then we put our in our bets. Absolutely. Absolutely. Put that in the notes to do that. Yep. September 17th, North Carolina and Duke, where actually North Carolina A&T might have the better team. It's possible. It's highly possible. <laughs> you know, completely. Because those guys, don't, it, it's harder to get into Duke than North Carolina A&T. You can oh, get, no doubt. Point out. You you know you, you killed somebody at Clemson. They they hide they hit the murder. But they're like hey bro you can't play Clemson anymore. You just killed someone. We'll we'll get you safely in North Carolina A&T. Yeah. <laughs> and and the other thing with with schools like North Carolina A&T, very athletic. Yeah. Very athletic teams. Yeah. So Duke is well, not. I don't think Duke can handle that. Guys haven't gotten trouble yet. <laughs> You gotta look hard. Yeah. Do your research. You don't know anything about North Carolina AT, but you have to do your research, and that's that's where the lines could be very favorable to you. Yep. Yep. Right. So now, Florida State criminal. We have to be careful because William Florida, who I went to high school with, he is a college commentator for them. Quite possibly could be listening to the podcast. Uh, sad to have a new broadcaster. It's mean Gene Decker. But this is a make or break year for Mike Norwell. They are supposed to be a blue boy. Mm -hmm. 17, they go 7 and 6, 18, 5 and 7, uh, 6 and 7, 6 and 3. The last year, Jimbo Fisher was getting out of Dodge. They're like 7 and 6. Then you go with a tagger. Which on the last podcast, I gave everybody all they ever wanted to know about Willie Tack. Uh, he comes from the Harbaugh family, coaching tree. And he only knows how to coach one way, right? Which is a Midwestern style with a big offensive lineman. But the problem is that when the heat and humidity, they lose too much weight in season to just be a running team and force your will. Uh, Mike Norwell was supposed to mitigate that. He has not done it. Uh, he's been out coached in the big games. That Notre Dame game was a big example of that. There's yeah. no way you should have lost the Notre Dame game last year. Better players. It was at home. Huge advantages, and he's still losing. Same thing happened in Jacksonville State. Jacksonville State is one of those places. Like Boise State, like Arkansas State, like... Uh, Couple other spots that they have great high school programs in that area, 
the big blue, you know, blue lights get the top players. But the lower lower, you want to say, oh, you're going to get a really good player in that. Jacksonville State, Southern Georgia area. And then you got guys who get kicked out, who committed murder, burglaries at SEC schools and, you know, elected prosecution. They were prosecuted. The coach is going to kick him off the program. and going to say, hey, you just killed two people. We shut this down. Uh, you need to go to Jacksonville State. You need to go to North Carolina. Don't do it again. Don't get in trouble because this is your last shot. This is your last shot at Jacksonville State. So that, that Jacksonville State could have really good teams. And that's that FCS upset we're talking about. It's 26 point underdogs they covered. Yeah, so at that point in time, last year, during the previous, we're 2 0 Florida State. Because they should have beat Notre Dame. They're plus seven at home. Jacksonville State beats them on a Hail Mary last play of the season. Forest. And there's 0-4. He cannot have that happen. Uh, against LSU, they should beat LSU uh, because of what we're talking about. That's how he's been studying LSU because he needs to win that game for his job. He needs to win that yep. So that game is September... The fourth opening weekend. And that game's going to be in New Orleans. The crowd's going to be 50 50. And uh, it's going to be a vacation for a lot of state alumni. Students aren't in yet at that time. But uh, Florida State, early in the season, they're at the stage of the program. We're going to have a lot of people there. But that's not going to be an advantage for Louisiana State. Uh, the cover's not bare there. Coach O left LSU with a lot of talent. That is a seat preview. We were still low, down in the last year's SEC preview. <laughs> almost, almost as much as Super Bowl pocket. People want to bet SEC games. So we'll be ready for that. Chad for sure going to be on out. Uh, he went back here. So they have to cover that game. I'm looking for that line of that game. I'm looking at LSU. Uh, Kelly has been through the playoffs twice at Notre Dame. This is much talent, and he's he's a stubborn coach. And he's going to put in no matter what. No matter what, he's going to put in assists. So minus four there, and let me look at so over under. Uh, they know each other, right? Because he was the coach at Notre Dame. Over-under is 52 points. That's going to be close. It's going to be close. I, I it's going to be close. We'll, we'll go. Just based on the situation, I'll do my research on LSU. But I really like. I think Vegas likes it a lot, too. Yeah. They gave us a number already. They're giving us over. They're giving us one-point cushion of Florida State. Florida State has to win. we got eight coming back on defense. Eight coming back on offense, and they return 101 career starts on that offensive line. And they, they did well against Coach Kelly when Coach Kelly put that thing. What do you think about this Florida State from a note? Oh, it's set up for them to be successful. I mean, you got eight, you got 16 starters coming back in totality. Right. So to me, that's an experienced team. 
that tells me that you should have a lot of success and you should win eight or nine games this year. But I just don't think that their entrenched, again, as I go back, their entrenched talent is um, conducive to that. I think that Norville will struggle because of that. Excuse me. So I, I think they're looking at a seven and six season or seven and five season again. You know, they're going to wear some teams down, some of these, like BC. Yeah. It's coming down there. I think BC is going to wear down in the second half. I think they could take advantage of that. I think that, um, you know, they're going to Miami. Miami's a pretty good team. They're going up to Syracuse. That's a dome stadium, so that won't affect them. But I just think the offensive and defensive lines will not let them get on an eight or nine win streak, their eight and nine win team. I think they're going to be a seven win team. And I think that LSU game can turn their season one way or the other. If they lose to Brian Kelly, you know, you know, in the first part of the season, it could slide them. If they lose to a Boston college, it could slide them. So they've got, they've got to be very careful to win these games and to play well in these games. Cause if they don't, this season could slide out of control, and that, and that's where I'm at with that. You know, I, I look at the schedule: Clemson, Miami, LSU, Florida. I mean, those are teams that are really going to be tough on them. And and can they beat win those games? They can win a few, a couple of them. I don't think they can win all of them, but it just depends on their offensive line. I mean, against Georgia Tech, a team they should beat, they're zero six against the spread in the last six meetings. I mean that, that tells you all you need to know. Um, Louisiana, that you know, nine and zero straight up, seven and two against the spread. Well, they're hosting the team we covered in the Fun Belt. In the yep. uh, Louisiana team, they were they were known love that's covered for us. Yeah, but, you know, maybe I'm like, you know, that's where the guilt. Then I am around thirty-two and two on Louisiana games the last three years. Okay. But it's a different team now, right? So you can't, and they're going to have to sort the numbers. They should win that. They got 101 career starts on the offensive line. Win yep. I'll give you. Oregon, I mean, Mario Cristobal, uh, you know. Yep. Yep. I'll give you one more thing. When they play Wake Forest, the last seven games have gone under the total. So, and that's at Florida State. So what that would tell me is, is that in the second half, Wake Forest has a lot of trouble with the heat oh, yeah. in those games. They wear down. So yeah, no, it, it, that's, a, that's a stat you look at. So and they're one and four straight up and against the spread off of buys. Yeah. And they have two buys this year. Not one, two. Ooh, so. And yeah. corporate governance, <laughs> uh, Randy Shinkman, they brought in as the co-defense coordinator. He won a national title as a defensive coordinator, but he had a great talent with that Willis McGahee, uh, Miami team, greatest. Talent. Yep, I remember them. So far. Uh, but now he's the defensive coordinator there. He should not get our coach on defense the way they have. Uh, he's a great recruiter, so he should have done good transfer portal. He was coaching at UCF. Uh, they should have done good in the trash portal. They should have done good in recruiting. Well, they got that working kid. Again, like you said, 
Yeah, LSU is going to make a break their season. Did it get them on so, Wake Forest at home, which Wake Forest has been doing good with homecoming. So I'm not a lot of checks. Probably the game. Look at North Carolina State. You got to start at North Carolina State because North Carolina State has a lot of talent. And that's after that homecoming game. Then and before Clemson. Right. And, and as much as – like we talked about BC at the end of the year, needing to win one game probably to get to a bowl. I think Florida State's in the same situation this year. I, I think the Louisiana-Florida, want, they need to win one of those two games to get to a bowl. I, I think they can have a big season. If they, if they beat LSU, go to at Louisville, that's going to be pivotal. They win Louisville. Yep. They win Boston College, 4-0. 5-0 going to Wake Forest. That NC State game could, is, could be attractive. I mean, because they have they have to keep things in their back pocket for Clemson. Because Clemson's going to be such a big game at home. So, going into the Clemson game, we go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 1. If they beat Clemson, because they're going to be hiding plays, they'll be 6 and 1 or 5 and 2. Georgia Tech, huge game. Who you got? Yeah. Six and two and five and three. That's a big difference for the Tech. Uh, at Miami, rivalry game. You can go either way. Yep. That Georgia Tech game big because five and four, big difference between five and four and six and three. And man, no doubt. Yeah. Man, no doubt. At Syracuse, that's going to be huge. So you either. I- Six and three or five and four going to Syracuse. So Syracuse, you can go seven and three, be seven and four. Louisiana, the win eight. Florida in a transition year. On paper, you should win. But that's how they get to maybe nine, eight, nine wins. I don't see ten. I'm with the I don't see ten wins. I think no, I don't see ten either. And, and their bottom is what you're saying. Meaning to beat Florida to get a bowl game. Which would be six. Yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Sometimes they play thirteen games. Yeah, yeah, they'll get twelve. Yeah, I personally think they get no bowl game. That's my personal opinion. But I also think that that, like I said, that LSU game is a, is a make or breaker for them early in the season. Yeah, this is what I'm thinking. The way things are these days, if they beat LSU. They're probably going nine and three. Yeah. Yep. Get fired. <laughs> because at Florida State, they, they want 12. They want 12 and 0. They want. Yeah. Yeah. And no. So nine and three might give them fired still, even if they beat LSU. Uh, they need to win down the road in Louisville, which is iffy. Boston College should be a gimme. Uh, Wake Forest, they should. North Carolina State, that's going to be tough for them to win under any circumstances. Clemson should be uh, down to the wire game. Clemson was lucky to beat them last year. Then after the bye, they go to Georgia State. They need to win that. But they get, keep things in their back pocket for Miami. I think Miami's a win. At Syracuse, let's see how things are going at that point in time. Louisiana should be a gimme. Florida in a transition period. They should win that game. So Florida State fans are thinking, um, the way the fans think, okay, uh, we'll beat Duquesne, 
We'll be at LSU, we'll be at Louisville, we'll be Boston College, we'll be Wake Forest, we'll be North Carolina State, maybe Clemson, da da da. We should be Georgia Tech, we should be Miami, we'll be Syracuse, Louisiana, and Florida. So Florida State fans are looking lovingly. And let me see the total for this year. You know, Florida State fans are realistically looking at 11 and 1. Where we're thinking their top is nine and three. Nine and three. Yeah. So we look at it to see if there's some value for the state over under. Florida State season four. And I like to look at them after I make the evaluation, right? Because you don't want to create a bias. Florida State fans are biased. They're thinking uh, Bobby Bowden's going to come strolling down the, the tunnel. They're not coached by Bobby Bowden. They're coached by Mike Norvo, who hasn't had a winning record for the state. So, That's the one thing is how, how the, the kids that are returning for them, 16 of them, are they going to buy into, into his philosophy again? Or are they going to just say, hey, coach, this, it hasn't worked. It's not going to work again. That's the, that's the huge thing. Will these kids buy into that philosophy? Those early season games are important. Like Duquesne. Absolutely. Duquesne, they should win. Obviously, yeah. Obviously. It's, I'm, it, I'm on that LSU game big because I think it's in New Orleans. The crowd is going to be crazy for both sides. You're, you're basically a coach that has struggled the, the two years, the previous two years. Are you going to be able to sell those kids on going down there and winning that game? And if you start off 2-0, and the kids will buy in. But if you lose that LSU game, these kids may just say, Coach, you know, here we go again. You know, you. So, so to me, that LSU game, again, we, you know, we've talked about season changes a couple of times. Here it is again. LSU is a season changer for them. And that and theoretically moves the line to 8.5. Yeah, 7.5. And up to 8.5. Eight and a half games. So nine, the best circumstances, goes up there. Um, if they keep betting it up and that thing gets to 10, you might look hard at Florida State under. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree that that's a close enough line where you could go either way on that line and, and you could have a win. Yeah, All it takes is that one game. Under uh, uh, 9.5. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. So look at at if, let's say Florida State's five and one, and they beat LSU. Look to pick their turn. Yeah. Right. So that's your Florida State criminal looking at them, and look for the over when things are. All things being equal, apples to apples, as they say, look at Amber Porter Because he's an offensive coach. He, he, he wants to um, 
James to go with his strength, which is often Randy Shannon is there in each game as one stop. In a shootout, he wants to push again. Next team we'll look at is Georgia Tech. Now, with these teams, you got to look at Georgia Tech again, uh, high academic standards. Georgia Tech has 32 career starts coming back on the offense. They are a developmental team, not a blue blood team. They have Coach uh, Jeff Collins, the defensive coach. I remember him, University of Florida. He's an Urban Meyer, kind of a shady character. Meyer type guy. And for as long as he's been at this program, this program should be in better shape. When you listen to the land during the Constitution, he should be gone. But his roster management is horrible. It's not only being able to develop teams, to have good roster management where you have uh, you recruit guys to come back, you recruit guys to quit football, and have some depth in certain positions you're developing. So just 31 uh, starts coming back on the offensive line, coming out a three and nine season, only three guys returning on, on uh, in defense. He doesn't seem like an NIL transporter guy where he's going to bring up the big checkbook and pay for God. Or even the big-time alumni, they're like, what, you want me to cut some sort of check for an 80000 to get a recruit here? When you were 3-9 and nine last year, and your career, you've been 3-9, and 3-7, and 3-9. and nine. Looks like this is going to be his last year there. And he's going to get blown out by everybody, including Clemson first game of the season. Look to fade these people at UCF, uh, you know, September 24th. Look for them to give up in the half in the, in the heat and get blown out. Uh, this is a team that first half of the season, you never bet blindly, but you do your research and you bet against them. And you bet the under because they suck so bad, they have to get zone, keep everything. <laughs> Basically, from the beginning of the game, they're trying to run out of the box. Right, so under and uh, and, and uh, under and betting against them. It's the second half lines. Or during the game at halftime, bet against the second half. They don't have any depth, and they suck. And, this, and their coach is batting close games, obviously, because he's three and nine, three and seven, three and nine. What are your thoughts on the, on the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets? Yeah. <laughs> You want to talk about struggle? Look at the look at right off the top. Clemson opening game. I mean, you get you get them done early, but you you could lose thirty eight to nothing to them without a problem. Yeah, physical team. And and the thing that they that this this Jeff Collins has done with them is he's installed a spread offense, and they just don't have the personnel to to run it. You know, they went from an option to a spread offense team. And you don't you, you don't have the personnel to do it. So, to me, after your first or second year, when you've looked at them and you've said, you don't have the talent, you should have gone back to what you had the talent to, to run. Wait. And they're not going to score a lot of points. They're going to give up a lot of points. 
they're not going to stop teams. Teams are going to are going to be able to go up and down the field against them. You know, they they have some some stats going in their favor, but with a team like this, I mean, I look at them and say, are they going to even possibly cover more than two or three games? I mean, they're playing at Georgia, Clemson, at Pittsburgh, at Florida State. At you know, at North Carolina, they, they're playing some some tough, tough teams that yeah. that are just going to decimate them. It's a possibility. It really is a possibility that they they go winless. Now, I think they could maybe sneak out a win against Virginia Tech. Maybe I I don't know Duke. Yeah. That's going to look at Western Carolina. People with the game because you are going to get numbers there. And right. people who are not doing this or not sitting here on a summer day breaking down teams, people who don't yeah. can go to the casino and see uh, Georgia Tech minus 24 against West Carolina. And we're like, Georgia Tech shouldn't be minus 24 against anybody. Not even a high school team. This should be minus 24. Right. right. You guys start looking yeah. at Carolina in, the, in that game, uh, September the 10th. Do they have? The horses, right? To keep this right, whatever the ridiculous spread is. Yeah, and a couple of things that I pulled out from from the research was, you look at the Virginia game, twenty one and four straight up. Virginia is against them, nineteen five and home team. The home team is okay, but you can't. It's at Georgia Tech. I would never. I, I can't pick Georgia Tech in that spot. Yeah, because you look and the down and team up. And the, uh, the other thing I pulled out, coach. Yep, Georgia Tech won back-to-back meeting against Miami. Right. Miami's going to be looking for looking for blood. Right. So, any any betting stat you see with Georgia Tech, right. you really can't use. Throw it out. Really can't use because they're that bad. They have almost nobody coming back for their team from last year. In terms of starters, right. almost nobody. So to me, that tells me that this this coach has not done a good job at recruiting. Number one, number two, who he has recruited is not an ACC player and is not ready to play in the ACC right. because of the struggles they've had. And right. number three, he's on his last year, as you said, he's on his last year. He's going to be out after this year, and and that's that's too bad, but. Well, you haven't recruited. He, he never has to work a day in his life. He's, right. He's making right. $4 million. So hopefully he saved his money. Hopefully he didn't cheat on his wife and has you know, a bunch of kids laying around. Or yeah, he is broke. He needs to see the coach. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have any money, even though he was making $4 million a year. Right? Uh, so, yeah, that, that's, that's Georgia Tech. Yeah. Georgia Tech. We will go to uh, the Louisville Cardinals. Louisville had great coach. Coach Satterfield does more with less. Uh, he was 51 and 24 at Appalachian State. So that tells you he's a great developmental coach, right? So he, uh, watching his games, he's covered for me a lot, right? Which comes to show you can cover for me a lot. 
Uh, after getting beat by Mississippi, I knew he was going to cover Eastern Kentucky because he can he can rally the troops. Uh, he has 116 career starts on that offensive line. So that shows you the difference in roster management with a guy like Jeff Collins who's been there four years. He should have a lot more guys coming back on that offensive line. And even running the spread from the wishbone, uh, the, the spread came from the wishbone. So th- they should have said, okay, you guys run this in practice, one or two, play the game. We're going to run this all game. He should have done better than what he did. Uh, defensive coordinator at App State for him. He's got his guys. They go 4 and 7. Then he improves them to 6 and 7. 7 coming back on defense. 7 coming back on offense. You have to do your research before each game for these guys because they're really in the middle. They are a developmental program, but they're in the middle. They can, you know, even with Lamar Jackson, they were like 9 and 3. And then Lamar Jackson came back and they didn't have a greater year. They have a lot of guys coming back on that offensive line. You got to look at the games they lost last year, coming back to win, right? Uh, Wake Forest, Virginia. North Carolina State, Clemson, because those are the teams that have been studying during the summer. Circle the calendar when they play them again. Use is a game that can go either way. Two great coaches going at each other. Wizzle, non-conference game. Beat USF last year. UCF, you can't finish university. The rival of USF. Coach Malzahn won a national title. With Cam Newton to a national title game against James Wilson. He circled Louisville on the calendar, looked for on a Friday night for UCF to cover that. Uh, then they have Florida State. So look for them to cover Florida State at home. So that UCF is a spot where you really got to look at UCF and Louisville coming back because UCF will beat them. And then Florida State might be the wrong team favorite <laughs> going to Louisville. And they play us. And I can say us, the USF Bulls, because I give 10 grand to the university every year. So I can say us. And I graduated from the University of South Florida. We play on September 24th. I cannot bet that game or evaluate that game because I have a huge bias towards USF. I think we're going to go in there and blow them out. But that's probably unrealistic. <laughs> that's why rule number one is never bet your own team. Uh, Boston College, uh, their, their team has to do your research and they're right in the middle. And you have to look at who they lost to last year, right? They're probably beating this one. What are your thoughts on Lugo Parma Scott? So, uh, seven to seven returning, which is always a good number. Right. I think once you get to the seven number, that to me, that tells me that's a good number. Um, they will score a lot of points. If their quarterback stays healthy, I think they're going to score a lot. I think he's the type of guy that can is just going to throw the ball around the field. Is just going to lead that team up and down the field. Um, you know, they have an outside shot at winning the ACC. I'm not saying they're going to, but they have a shot at winning the ACC. If they have a perfect season, quarterback stays healthy. Uh, the running game starts good. 
uh, you know, win a game on a last-second miracle. Everything goes right. They have a chance to win on it. Yep. The, the biggest part of their season comes right after their bye week. Home for Pitt, home for Wake Forest, at Clemson. Three out of four games. That, that will tell their season right there, I think, with James Madison's in, in sandwiched in. So James Madison take that game up. But. Their perennial FCS national championship contender. They're, again, a school that's in a good spot with a bunch of really good high school programs. That if a guy goes to a blue blade, gets in trouble, he goes to James Madison. Guys that maybe should have gone to a bigger school go to James Madison because it's a good academic school, and the kid wants to stay home. That's yeah, I should steer in the fun belt. So if James Madison's having a real good year, and you just played Clemson, uh, you just played Wake Forest, you just went Pittsburgh, Wake Forest, now you're at James Madison, and you're going to have to go to Clemson next week. Well, that's the, the, football. I'm reversing my course because of what you just said. Wake Forest, James Madison, Clemson. So I think that Louisville could overlook that game getting ready for Clemson, especially if they're in a position that they can do some damage and win the ACC. So schematically, they are going to have to keep Best games in their back pocket. Yes. Oh, oh. It's more important. Right. We used to say, hey, we're going to get blown up. Clemson, we're not going to show them anything. North Carolina State's good. And then you have your main rival, Kentucky, that you yep. know, both Kentucky and Louisville are going to have new things in their back for that game. Their teams are Because that's yep. a rivalry in state rival game. So. Yeah. If James Madison's having a decent season, that is a major problem right there for Louisville. Because they're right. Not- so when you look, so when you look at Wake Forest and you look at Clemson and you look at the Kentucky games, right? The last six against Wake has gone over. Four of the last five against Clemson has gone over. Six of the last seven against Kentucky has gone over, and the home team has lost five of the last six. And it's two ten and one against the spread. So to me, that tells me the Kentucky Louisville game is going to be a high scoring, close game. That's that's what that that leads me to believe. Oh yeah, and and, and the coordinator at Kentucky used to be you know I got to look at it again, but it's either him or somebody like him. Yep, uh, was like the quarterback coach for McVeigh with the Rams. And then, right. So that, that's going to be a lot of points, and both are going to be too beat up for. Believe me, Louisville's going to be beat up. That gauntlet is they're going to be a beat up football team playing Kentucky, so they're going to have to schematically hide things and decide offensive plays. Right. So look for that one. That's going to be interesting. Look for maybe James Madison to be under, right? And then look yeah. for the game to be over. And what you're saying with the Clemson game being over because coach is going to have to figure out how to get that game in, in a shootout. Because because Louisville is going to empty the playbook against Clemson. Right. And I think that's going to happen. So yeah, yeah. I, I would I would say the two really good things that I feel about is the James Mask under and the Clemson over. 
uh, on their on their schedule. Oh, so, you, you got to look at James uh, Madison as a dog. Yeah, and I'll have to look at them more, but I, but I, I'm in agreement with you. I think James Madison's in the perfect position in the schedule. And listen to my belt conference preview <laughs> by James Madison. Because <laughs> there's a name for, for the fun belt. No, it's a sun belt. Money belt. They have made as much money as any conference. The money that I've made from the sun belt conference is just as green the money I've made for the SEC or NFL games. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, James Madison. Gotta look at them. Again, they're coming from the FCS. They don't have the depth. And also, they're thinking of switching. Um, that right now you can have 85 scholarships. You're thinking that they can have 95 scholarships. Supposedly it help the blue blood. Uh, so you got to look at that, right? Because then they'd have to double down on developing players as far as action. But one point before we go to the next team is that bringing up with guys like because he did so well at Appalachian State, what that means is he's good at situational. Changes, right? So you have the talent. You have to know how to make changes on the fly. Have to, you know, learn how to come up with schemes with a deflated offensive line or lack of talent. So the coach knows how to do that. But you got to look at. Let's say you got blown out one week. Doesn't mean they're going to get blown out the next week. So that's your little bit of part. And then we go to Miami Hurricanes. Mario, you look at corporate governance. This guy wins four national titles with Coach Nick Satan coaching that offensive line. He coached with Whitley Tiger at Oregon. Turns that program around. He's turned two programs around. He turned the FIU around. He got fired there unexplicably. Can't recruit. You can't do anything at FIU. He got him to bowl games. He has one bad year. He gets fired. Really doesn't. Uh, he's an expert on the offensive line, and he has 137 career starts coming back on that offensive line. Manny Diaz, who's now the defensive coordinator of Penn State, he's not the greatest X's and O's guy in the world. He's an entitled guy. His dad was the mayor of Miami. He's always been rich. But he was good at roster man. 137 career starts on your offensive line. They went toe to toe with Alabama. They, they game last year against Alabama was not closer than the score. Would indicate it. We even would have covered it if they uh, scored two times they had first downs inside the one yard line. That one happened, first of all, the way he knows how to coach that offensive line. Uh, again, corporate governance. Do you know how to hire people? He hires Kevin Steele. Kevin Steele. Just got done his $1.2 million contract with Auburn because they had a pay him. He should be the Auburn head coach, got cheated out of that job. Now he's making $1.2 million with Miami as their defensive coordinator. So they're, they're ready to go. Great recruiter, special teams coach, used to be an NFL. Special teams guy, special teams coach. Their Miami should be a blue blood team if you have the right person in there. They do. So they have seven back on offense, seven back on defense. 
Mario Cristobal has done well with no talent at FIU. Uh, he's got you know, 80% of his offensive linemen in Alabama are not playing in the NFL. And then that offensive line at Oregon, right, he got six out of the eight guys who graduated from the offensive line in Oregon are currently on NFL rosters. <laughs> so, what do you think about the Miami Hurricanes, Scott? So, as the theme of my thing is on, I look at the lines. And the defensive line has one returning starter, but they had five experienced uh, players through the transfer portal. Yeah. And as we said, I don't know if we said it on this or pre-show, transfer portal has become pretty big. It's almost as big as recruiting. It is. So to add five experienced defensive guys, defensive linemen, to add to your one returning starter, that tells me that they're going to have a really good run defense. Um, you know, they're cool. really quarterback. He's yeah, a, and he's, he's really good at judging talent. Scouting, general manager, and all that. And he proved that FIU getting them to a bowl game, and then at Oregon, that he's good at judging talent. Yep. And their um, their quarterback is going to be asked to do a lot more than he has in the past year or two. I, my personal opinion is they have a very underrated receiving core led by two sophomores okay. in Xavier Restrepo and Keyshawn Smith. Okay. So I think they're, they're speedy. They're talented. Their skill positions are very young, which always leads to – Leads to some some growing pains, but it also leads to some really good take the top off on defenses. So I, I think that they're going to be a very explosive offense and underrated in the ACC. I I think they could win their side of the ACC easily. Um, I don't really see a lot of you know pitfalls up until the last two games of the year in Clemson and Pittsburgh. So, they have a chance to be a one-loss team going into the last two weeks of the season. They'll, they'll make a bowl. The problem with that is that, uh, philosophically, you have guys who say, hey, it's just and O's. Not all about the gimmicks and the joys. You have guys like Chris Ball or say, it's all about the Jimmy's and the Joe's, you know. Yes. Johnson and then um yeah, Barry Switch. Uh who cares about exes and uh, this is Jimmy Smith. But they all do well when that's a camp. Then you have guys like Bill Belichy and Nick Satan who tell you what, oh that's why that's why uh one likes his you know, his foster kids, his adopted kid, one neglects kids and everything they give him. Because they say it's both. Both the Jimmy's and the Joe's it's both, you know, it's expected to know. But Mario, first of all, is really good at developing players. He's really good at recruiting players. He always gets, he always loses Oregon when he was head coach. He always lost a game to him. So you got to look at a game where he goes, okay, we're going to play basic football, and we're just going to win with our talent, and we're going to keep plays in our back pockets for the big games at Texas A&M at uh, Florida State's rivalry game, right? And then at Clemson. So those are your three games 
and he's going to scheme for it, and he's going to going to get his team ready, ready to play. So, North Carolina with Mac Brown coming in there, a national title coach with really good talent. You got to look at it, right? Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech's breaking in a new coach, so they should be fine. Duke, Virginia should be good going into Florida State at Tech, at Clemson, but then you got to look at this one. So, that's North that's North the two North. games. That's two games right now. Based on what I know, in, in, and I really can't bet Miami game because Miami, first of all, is a Cuban coach. Hello, mm-hmm. and I root for Cuban coaches. But it's hard to do, right? To check your biases. Because, you know, we all have biases, and what the problem is, it's our unconscious biases that we have. So I have to be careful betting Miami game. But since I follow him so much, and his losses hurt me, I'm going to guard my emotions on that North Carolina game, and I'm going to guard my emotions on that pit game. Both home games in Miami. And remember, that home atmosphere in Miami is not the old school uh, girls' uh, Orange Bowl. It's a very sort of laid back kind of environment. So Pitt, the coach Narduzzi, from their same coaching tree, really, the coaching tree, in that North Carolina game at Miami with a Hall of Fame coach who won a national title. Who knows? That's a big recruiting game for North Carolina. Because North Carolina knows they can't recruit with Miami and Miami. But they can get one guy. He's like, if we can get one blue shit Hall of Fame first round graphic from Miami, we can do that. And what better way of doing it to say, hey, we went to Miami and we beat your boys who are trying to improve now. First of all, we beat him. And, 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 so, believe me, Mac Brown's scheming for that game. Right now, I'm always going up the other way on myself and saying, okay, what's the line in that game? What's going on? Miami coming off a bye. I might go ahead and roll uh, uh, North Carolina as a, as a dog, but I see them. I see them nine and two. I would I would watch that pit game weather forecast because okay. it's a northeast team coming down to Miami. If it's humid and hot, Miami second half line. A hundred percent. Yeah, where that stadium set up, where the, the the road team is in the heat, and if that team doesn't bring in twenty. Uh, Ventilator or those uh, misting flat out. Yep. I won't. I won't uh, release my sprinkler. Flat out, an official or a team in Tampa. I won't tell you if it's USF from Tampa Bay. Has told me if a team does not bring in twenty mist machines to hit the lumber on the on the, on the team. <laughs> lumber on the home team. They're going to have to bring 20 mystifiers. It's your panic. They're breaking. And you're counting mystifiers, which I have done. <laughs> and then they reach 20. You start, you start betting the home team, Miami, which is going to rough. But yeah, good, good call on that, Scott. But 100% on, on that offensive line. I think their bottom is seven or eight games. Their top. 
is nine or ten. Yep. Yep. So they have to go. If we go ten games, they have to go ten and one, and then uh, beat Clemson. It'll be hard. Beat Clemson twice in the ACC championship. I don't know if they're in the their same division. They would have to be. Uh, they're in the coastal, I think. Yeah, they're in the coastal, so I, I think Clemson's in that same side. Because we don't pay attention to details like that. We're just looking at information that directly attributes to a team covering or not. <laughs> so everything else, uh, sadly, falls down the, the wayside. It's really, anything else is trivia. Because winning consistently and catching those tickets gets my wife off my back. Actually, when they do play Clemson, there's no way they're beating Clemson twice. No. It's hard for them to get into the playoff. But very doubtful. Right, right. Yeah. Their high is 10. Uh, their low is 8. So I actually like... Uh, over seven season total. Miami seven wins season total. Yeah. It's over. It's over. Yeah, I think they get over. Triple shit here. Wasn't a seven. I didn't bet it. Why? Because I didn't do my race. Anyway. Even All right, so it started at seven point five. And it's been bedded up to eight point five. I still think the over. We're over the eight point five. Yeah, that I, I I wouldn't bet it because it's right close to my total. But I could see they're going to beat Matoon Cookman. They'll beat Southern Miss, Texas A and M. Definitely got to look at the under in that game. Yep. Right. Both have bigger fish to fry later in the season. They also have egos. Who can play fundamental football? Yeah. Middle Tennessee State, they should win. That's 3 and 1. North Carolina. I almost think they're going to be 3 and 2 after North Carolina. They're going to win at Virginia Tech, 4 and 2. Beat Duke, 5 and 2. They'll beat Virginia, 6 and 2. Yeah. They can go either one game. It's a rivalry game. They're going to either be. Seven and two or six and three at Georgia Tech. Tech is going to be about seven or eight. Clemson maybe gets you to nine and, and then so it's going to be right at eight. So eight point five, I wouldn't do it. Eight maybe, but if you can get a seven point five or a seven, yeah. What do you think, Scott? Yeah, I think so. If you get seven and a half, you got to hammer the over. Eight and a half is Again, it's one game. It's that one game. It's that Clemson game. It's that North Carolina game. 
It's the Texas A&M game earlier in the year. I mean, those three yeah. games that pivotal. There's a close game, and one of those, Texas A&M is winning 17-13, and you know, four minutes left in the game, they're driving in, they fumble the ball, or they throw a pick six, and Miami wins the game. Yep. That changes their season totally around. That, Again, that's the whole thing with them is, is – Crystal Ball is going to have to put his stamp on that team right away because Texas A&M is week three of this season. And if they're 2-0 going into that. It's just my first year here. I have Manny Diaz as a player. Another yep. Blah, blah, blah. This is his you know, honeymoon year. And he's yep. got, he played at Miami. Uh, he, he's best friends with the Rocks. So the Rocks going to be a game. They can get with a seven-win, eight-win season. He Ruiz, multi-billionaire, giving yep. Miami recruit one hundred and eighty thousand. If he suddenly goes to Vegas and puts, you know, three million dollars on uh, Miami and the over eight point five, and it shoots to ten, then you go under. <laughs> right. Totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah, that's why you gotta do your research. Then you pay It's something that's oversold. Right? My yep. sold or whatever. Now we go to North Carolina State. The North Carolina State corporate governance gave, um, I forget how to uh, pronounce his last name, Dorn. Tenth, yeah, Dorn. Tenth season. So what it tells you is 94, 94, 84. He showed you what I'm telling you about two year cycles. So that four and eight year was his first year. In a two-year recruiting cycle. Now remember, this guy's a great developmental coach. North Carolina State is a developmental program. They haven't even had the success Boston College has had. They haven't had the success uh, Florida State's had. Louisville's had. They haven't had that success. But they're a solid, good developmental program. Now, the 2020 COVID year, where everybody gets an extra year, gives the guy like Dave Dorn an extra competitive advantage. Because now he has guys in the program six, seven years developed. So what happens with him? He goes in for nine and three, and he was begging to play UCLA. He was begging to play UCLA because a guy like this watches a lot of film. He knows how to make consistent adjustments. He knew he had... UCLA when he wanted him. He was going to blow him out. He was canceled because of COVID. But suddenly, he's really good at roster management. Being there 10 years, he's good at a lot of stuff. He's good at communicating. He knows how to say, the alumni we were 48, hey, we're coming back next year. He knows to say that to the administration. That's why he did not get fired before name. He brings 10 back on these seven back on offense, 
And he brings, let me see here, 95 career starts on that offensive line. I think very optimistic and happy going into ball. But you got to look at who got hurt. He run this team to death in fall practice because he wasn't well conditioned and they'll fall apart late in the season. So you have to do your research. But going into fall practice, he's ecstatic. So from that point, you say to yourself, which games does he have circled on his calendar? At Clemson. So the advantage we have now, Scott and I doing this and people listening, and we have on the people going to Biloxi and Vegas and everywhere, Foxwoods, going into that you know $2 billion bet in New Jersey, and that's what, they see North Carolina City, who, at Clemson, what? In Clemson, no is my favorite? Oh! So, what do you think, Scott? I'm looking at, give me North Carolina State plus 11 <laughs> in the under at Clemson. Yep. And I mean, the circle... Gonna bet a thousand dollars a game, and I'm gonna sprinkle a hundred bucks on the North Carolina State money line. You know that senior calendar, it'll help him not to be a developmental coach 24 7. You want to have some talent there, but he, yeah. So, so when you look at North Carolina State, I look at three three games shoot off the page of me at Clemson, Wake Forest, at North Carolina in the rivalry game. That's those three game. games right there. Right. Yeah. Those are the three games for sure. So if they could go two and one somehow in those three games, you're looking at probably a 10-win team. You're probably looking at a 10-win team. I think you're looking at a nine-win team for sure. Right. Um, with all the experience coming back, that's, that's almost all your defensive team that's coming back. And returning. So to me, that says, right. been in the system, very experienced, if they can get anything out of their offense, which I think they will, I, I think they'll be in the 30s most games, they will win 10 games. They will win 10 games. And this guy is a very good coach, very good coach. You know, 9-3 last year, you know, he's, he's won a lot of games. That Clemson game, he, he's probably going to be undefeated going in that Clemson game. Right. So, it's to me – upset. Suddenly, they can afford one loss. Absolutely. Yeah. Now you're talking. Now you're talking. If they beat Clemson, now you're talking about playoff team, maybe. Right. And see playoff team. Well, you never know. You never know. So, to me, I think if they get by Clemson, they could run the table up to Wake Forest. Oh yeah. That'll be a tough game. Wake Forest is a very good team. Very and good. then if they if they beat Wake Forest, and then North Carolina stands in their way. And they're definitely a playoff team if they can run the table on all of that. So I like NC State a lot. I like them a lot. Can they can they go with one loss the whole season? Gonna be tough, but they could. Right. They have all this experience. They have a very good offense. Um, their their quarterback is Devin Leary. Right. He's a top two quarterback in the ACC for me. Because he throws the ball with consistency, accuracy, and zip on the ball. So to me, that, that means he's, a, he's a, a really good quarterback. Could be in the system, could be a system quarterback. I don't know, but he's a really good quarterback. 
And if you make first downs, so here we go. First record, that's it here. But if you make three first downs with your legs, your team wins uh, 75% of the time. Yep. It, this guy always has that. Watch him through the yeah. game. has that in his offense. Got yep. get at least one or two or three first downs. Right. Or, you know, and then you look at their offensive coordinator, Tim Beck, veteran, college guy, Nebraska, Ohio State. And then fourth year, Tony Gibson, defensive coordinator. And that, but from a betting standpoint, from a, because I'm a fan too, from a fan standpoint, I'm looking at North Carolina State a lot. Yes. Yes. And from a betting standpoint, I like him as a dog at Clemson. Absolutely. Lions turn. Absolutely. Right? We got a buy, a very strategic buy. And you got uh, Virginia Tech. He's coming to the chorus, probably to bring in the recruits there for that game. Stick yep. comes to them. College, not a good team late in the season. The Apple was ill. That should, might be a good game, depending on the Yeah. Team. And then Akron, North Carolina might be a good team, too. So it's going to be an exciting season. Absolutely. The obvious betting angle inside that comes in game. Oh, another one is at East Carolina. I follow East Carolina because they're in the AAC with USF. They have a great coach, great developmental coach. North Carolina State, as we just said, has a lot bigger fish to fry in East Carolina. And that's the first game of the season. They're going to play vanilla basic football against East Carolina. I'll have the AAC preview. I'll, I'll research East Carolina. I'll have a picket in that game. But at first glance, you got to look hard at East Carolina covering it. Then Styles make fights. East Carolina is a run defensive zone under team. They're a great development coach, scheming coach, who's won several titles. Actually, you know where he won a uh, national title at? Uh, James Madison, Division II. So he knows how to do it work. Yes, he knows how to coach guys. That's your North Carolina. Wolfpack. There we go to your North Carolina Tar Heels. And Coach Mac Brown won a national title. Eight on defense, five on offense. At Bignell Jr., people offensive uh, line coach, which offensive line seven years in the NFL. Uh, offensive coordinator is. Bill Longo, the coach with uh, Lane Kiffin and, uh, at uh, Mississippi. He had a kid running for the Heisman Trophy. Uh, your defensive coordinator is uh, Carlton Warren at Indiana last year. With Tom Allen, who's a great defensive guy. I believe Gene Sizzik. Won a national title with Cam Newton at Auburn, is now the assistant head coach and assistant coach for defense. So, safe to say, North Carolina is not going to get a coach. Safe to say, they got really good guys in that transfer portal. Eight on defense, five on offense. Again, this is a tweener between blood and developmental, but you have coaches on there who are both. What are your thoughts on North Carolina? 
So when you look at their schedule, they have Notre Dame at home. They have Pitt at home. They have NC State at home. Those are three, three, three big games for them. Um, they go to Miami. They go to Wake. Those are another two. They have a lot of big games on their schedule after their bye. You know, though I'm not, I'm not discrediting this first three, which is Florida A&M, Appalachian State, Georgia State. Right. I'm not discrediting them at all. But when you look after the bye, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, at Miami, at Duke, Pittsburgh, Virginia at Wake, and then NC State. So yeah. they could win seven games. They could get to a bowl game. Right. It was six and seven last year. The defense is going to be very, very good um, with eight returns. Right. So they're another year in Mac Brown's system so that they can be very, very good. It's on the offensive side of the ball that, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to question here with five players coming back. Can they sustain drives and score some points? I think they're going to get in the 20s. I think a lot of college teams can get in the 20s. I think they are as well. Can their defense shut down a lot of these big, big-time teams? That's to be seen. So oh, I can see them going from 6-7 to seven to 8-5. and five. Or uh, seven and six, something in that ballpark, um, and I think they get to a bowl. I don't think they get to a, a big time bowl, but I think they can get to one of those right around Christmas Day bowls, and uh, that would be good compared to what they did last year. You know, their quarterback is a freshman. Sam Howell was their quarterback last year, so that's that's a lot to replace because Sam Howell was a, a major part of their offense. So that's where my question is on the offense side. Yeah, I don't think Sam Howe, in my opinion, I didn't think Sam Howe was really that good. He didn't, he, he wasn't great, but he was solid enough where you had to account for what he did in games. But when you go from him to a freshman quarterback, freshman quarterback's going to have their growing pains early in the year. So he's got to get his feet on the ground and get himself, you know, into the into the season because after that bye, like I said, there's going to be some good teams there. So I think they're one of those middling teams, middle of the ACC, that are going to make a bowl game. You know, won't win the, the ACC, but will be good enough to, like I said, make a bowl game. I'm looking at seven wins, maybe eight for them this year. Yeah, the replacement player of the year in North Carolina, the S talent. Uh, they're, and the coach total seven point five. They should win at you know Florida A and M. Uh, it's SCS, but they haven't had really good talent in a while. They do have. You happen to see that game on ESPN Plus. They do have by far year in year out the best band in the country every year. Florida A and M. they're an incredible trip in the heat. Those uh, they're dancing. They're going crazy. And they're the best band in the country before I am. At Appalachian State, you really have to look at Appalachian State in that game. People are just blindly going to bet North Carolina. Them. They exactly. Same thing at Georgia State. Georgia State off the bat. Because Georgia State, because Sean Elliott has beaten the next team, has covered for him as an SEC. He's a disciple Steve Spurrier looking to get a bigger job, and he's always upsetting a very close loss against the bigger team. But I think he plays an SEC team after that. The North Carolina team, yeah, they get a bye. 
Remember, this guy's won a national title. This is strategic. Those three are literally preseason games, and he's going to do full evaluation with Coach Gene Sizzik, who also won a national title. Now, Gene Sizzik won two national titles. He was the coordinator for Mac Brown at Texas in the Vince Young years. How about that? Notre Dame at home? I, I'm almost hoping Appalachian State upsets North Carolina. So I can bet North Carolina gets their name because that's not going to be the same team. Notre Dame is not going to know what hit them. Those three games, they're not going to see any of the defensive schemes, any of the offensive schemes that's going to hit Notre Dame on September 24th. That's a recruiting game. He wants yep. to the house kids' house and say, hey, why are you going to leave Notre Dame when we blew them out when they came to play us at home? Why, why are you going to? Why, I uh, right? And that offensive line is going to have 104 career starts by that game, right? Five times previous thing, 15 more career starts going into that Notre Dame game. That's going to give them momentum for Virginia Tech. So you're looking at maybe 5-0, and 4-1 going into Miami. That could be a close game go either way. Uh, four and two or five and one going into Duke, which is six and one or five and two. You get another five weeks in Pittsburgh at home. Okay. So Pittsburgh should be win six seven. Virginia should be win six or eight. Wake Forest. That's tough. Yeah. That's going to be tough. That, that's tough. And it, it, it could be eight, could be Georgia Tech, and then a rivalry, nine or eight. And their season total is 7.5. So, we're right there. I wouldn't, I wouldn't there, there are seven and six, eight and five teams. That's, that's what I look at with that. You know, Miami, Miami. And then there are, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and going With North Carolina, it's it's all about the yeah, it's all about development of the freshman quarterback. It's all that's what it is with them. If they develop him and he becomes good, eight and five. If he's not developed, develop him and it's possible they can go ten and two. Okay, so get me. Yes. Possible. I, I think. Yeah, I think top is ten and two because of the coaching involved and uh, talent involved. The bottom is probably six and seven. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Those are your North Carolina targets. Pittsburgh Panthers. Coordinate governance. Nargisi is a great coach. He comes from the Bill Belichick, Nick Satan tree. Uh, he's both good at recruiting guys and developing guys. Gets guys into the NFL. Eight on offense, seven on defense. And last year was an up year for him. 
So this year technically is a Dijon year, but he's so good at roster management that he has 145 career starts and now the line. Remember, Belichick, thinking guys are awesome. These guys want he coaches four two fives, the linebackers. He gets a lot of guys into the NFL. He's in that mafia. For all those four two five defense, Georgia plays a four two five. Kirby Smart, Satan, Narduzzi. Uh, we got the inside from Narduzzi with our podcast with Max Brown, who was a starting quarterback at USC. Uh, number one player recruited out of high school who finished his college career with Coach Narduzzi at Pitt. That's a great podcast. Inspirational. It shows that, that man, I said, man, I would cut my left arm to start starting quarterback at USC. Charlie people say he's a bust. Come on, you're talking a bust? He started going back to USC. I can call the guy a bust. Got his bachelor's and his master's degree paid by football. <laughs> now he's a big question of commercial real estate. People need to get their priorities. <laughs> Calling somebody a bust is ridiculous. But anyways, talking about Coach Narduzzi, he knows him, right? We're one degree away from Coach Narduzzi. Uh, he's a great coach. Covers for us as a dog, including at Tennessee last year, and uh, doesn't cover for us as a favorite because he's a defensive-minded coach. Francis and Eddie does a great job with his offensive coordinators to leave for other places. He did good. And really, he's his own defensive coordinator. But Randy Bates is getting great education there. He turns eight on offense, seven on defense, 145 career starts. What do you think, Scott? Pitt Panthers. I, I will tell you they are the biggest X factor in this conference for yeah. me. But when you look at the schedule, they have a very nice schedule this year. Very nice schedule. At conference games at Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, Louisville, North Carolina, Syracuse, Virginia, Duke, and then the last game is Miami. Right. They have a very nice schedule to be very successful, and and I think they I think they can get to nine or ten wins with that schedule. I, I really do. Right. I think the biggest game is the backyard brawl against West Virginia. Every year, that's the rivalry game for them. You know, Pitt West Virginia has always been a, a very competitive game. I think if they can win that, they get Tennessee at home. They've handled them pretty good in the in the past, so. I think they can get to nine or ten wins with that. I don't – they could be undefeated going into Louisville, North Carolina in those two games. Yeah. It's possible. It might be undervalued because people are overvaluing. Because football, you need 11 guys. So one guy, right, they're a good receiver. Now USC and the media have made a big deal about it. People are going to start betting Tennessee, betting, you know, betting against just because it's one guy. Relevant in scheme of things, where you're looking at a 16-man roster that's going to play. Yeah, and a great scheming coach, a great evaluator of talent. Yep, he's on mental guy. I think uh, Coach Narduzzi. I 100% agree with that. Uh, he, he is he is such he is a good coach. He is such a good coach. Right. That the Kenny Pickett loss right. will not affect them that much. Oh. It, it really won't. It really won't. As they brought in a transfer, that's right. the junior, 
that has played college football and has seen college football, he will not be phased by anything. Yes. So I, I, I have a feeling right. they will be in the mix. All right. I mean, him. Yeah. They're going to be one or two plays away from being in the playoffs, championship, all kinds of stuff. Yep. I like it, but you got to go game by game with these guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. Panthers. Oh. A game like the Rhode right? They're going to play basic football and just win on defense and not show anything. You got to look yep. at it. It's plus 60 or something. Look at Rhode Island that game. Yep. Wow. So that, that's Pitt. Pitt, very good team to look at and research. They're going to be in the mix, big time. Yes, big time. No question. The season total number is 8.5. What is it? 8.5. I think they're going to go over. Yeah, there should be West Virginia, FNC, Western Michigan is three, Rhode Island four. Because this was the thing when I really. He did not lose the teams he should be. Maybe they're not going to lose. Because of the style, they're not going to lose. So you're talking one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight sure wins. Give me your pit Panthers over 8.5. Yes. Yep. I agree. They only have to win one. Well, with Virginia, Tennessee, you can see one win, right? But out of a basket of, let's see, there should be Duke, Virginia, Syracuse. Duke. They'll be Duke. They'll be Duke. So it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They got eight sure wins. So you don't yeah. see one iffy win by them. You'd be at nine. So I like that. I like, they, I like that. Yeah. They, Look at that. Louisville, Carolina, and Miami. They got to win one of those two, two three games, and they'll do it. They'll do it. So, Pitt, here you go. I'll put it on the uh, post the podcast and do the tweet. Picking Pitt over 8.5 wins. Yep. There you go. Yep. Value of doing this. Syracuse, Dino Beaver. Dino Beavers is a guy one at Bowling Green. That means the guy can coach can do more with less. Uh, I guess he's his own offensive coordinator, or he doesn't do a really good job hiring coaches because last year, he had the guys in the last year, he um, hired the worst offensive coordinator of all time. <laughs> he was the, uh, he got fired at USF for being an offensive coordinator. Dude was horrible. He was coaching under started strong. He was hired at Syracuse. But Dino Beers is an offense guy. He, he might have noticed, this guy sucks, I'll just jump. He had to jump in last year. Guy's fired. The guy was over at McNeese State. He, he was fired as offensive coordinator at USF, and certainly he's the head coach of McNeese State. And then he got fired for having a horrible offense. He must have really good at job interviews. He must be like Bob McAdoo or Rob Riot, who failed coaching. That's why it's better to get a marketing and get it what you do. He's just good at marketing himself. Gilbert is his yep. name. Horrible guy. He was there last year, but Dino Beaver's guy won it. Eastern Illinois. He's a great strategy guy. I mean, situational intelligence. Uh, they go they go five and seven last year. They bring nine guys back on the line. 
Right? Yep. Yep. Eight on defense. And um, they bring 120 career stops. What do you think, Scott? All that's great. Okay. It is, is what I look at. They have a bye, one bye. Before the bye, Louisville, Connecticut, Purdue, Virginia, Wagner. Right. After the bye, right. NC State, Clemson, Notre Dame, Pitt, Florida State, Wake Forest, Boston College. That is a gauntlet after their bye teams. They need to be, at worst, 4-1 and one going into their bye week because if they're not, they might get one or two wins out of that gauntlet at the end of the season. One, maybe in Boston College at the end of the year. This team is going to have a tough time. I love their experience. I love 17 returners. I love everything about that. But I don't love their schedule. It's just too tough for them to overcome. The ad I found online was that they won more than two conference games twice since 2013. It's going to be tough. It really is going to be tough for them to compete, play well, and win after the bye. I don't know where it's coming from. I just don't. So that's that's my problem. With have to put, uh, he's gonna have to uh, pull some rabbits out of the hat. Yes. No. That that schedule after their bye week, I haven't seen a tougher schedule. I mean, NC State, Clemson, Notre Dame, Pitt, Florida State, Wake Forest. That's tough. You're asking a lot from that, those kids to to come through. Those guys. I don't know if they're going to or not. So I think he's on the hot seat for sure. I think the schedule does not favor him. Um, I, I Like I said, four, they have to be 4-1 and one going in the bye week. If they're not, they're not going with five games. I have to edit it. Okay, so uh, Louisville is going to be a big game for them. They're going to have first game of the season. Louisville starts on the offensive line. Also, sort of scheme against Louisville. Uh, it's going to be a close game. Look for them to cover. But it's almost like a must win for them because there's no negative stuff in the starter's head, right? Uh, so that's one, maybe, right? Then you got UConn. Purdue's going to be tough. Yep. going to be in a dumb. Fans are going to be going crazy. Uh, that's going to be tough. Virginia, they should beat Virginia on a Friday night. Home team yep. cover 80% of the time on a Friday night, all right? Uh, Wagner, Division Two, FBS, they have to win. So right to the bye yep. week, they have to be 4-1, like you're saying. Absolutely. I, if they're not 4-1, they're not winning five games. Because they, they may not win five games anyway, but. So North Carolina State, Clemson, Notre Dame, Pitt, and Florida State, like you're saying, there's no way they're winning any of those games. Me at Wake Forest, no, nope. didn't get that one either. And then at Boston College. 
Tough so they're going to be at the bottom of the conference again. I, I, I just think. And like I said, they haven't won more than two conference games. They've won more than two conference games twice since 2013. So, Yeah, before we go to the next team, do you think it's a situation where Dino Meaver has say, okay, after the bye week, let's just get in a shootout every game and try to win. Because yeah. if he can do that, and he's four and one, maybe five and oh, he might get a couple games in a crazy shootout. Yep. It's the only hope he has. It's the only hope he has. Go seven and six. Yep. Yep. If you go seven and six with that schedule, uh, he should be coaching the national coach of the year. <laughs> seven wins. He may not win a game after the bye. That's that's the unfortunate part. Right. Right. He's going to have to. The home game is going to be North Carolina State, which is probably yeah. the best chance coming off the bye. Yeah. Uh, yep. Florida State at home after Florida State played a good game. But then the rest of those games are on the road. Notre Dame, they try to get in a shootout, get some lucky plays. They could win. Well, yeah, maybe North Carolina State, Notre Dame, Florida State are the only chance they have a prayer in. Maybe Wake Forest. Because Wake Forest is not talented. They're where coach will develop. They don't have a yeah. So there might be an even talent game. All right, so that's your Syracuse Orange Men. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then you go two programs in opposite directions, right? Virginia has a new coach, four on offense, six on defense. All right. Uh, rebuilding year, it looks like. You've got a brand new guy who's never been a head coach before, Tony Elliott from Clemson. Uh, fresh offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. Uh, it's from Air Force, so he's never like dealt with this type of talent before. This looks like a two and ten team. What do you think, Scott? The whole offensive line's gone. They all graduated, or they gone. So you have to rebuild it again. In your first year, the defense allowed almost 500 yards per game last year. Lost half their starters. Right. So, to me, that tells me I agree with you. This is a two and ten win team. Um, you know they they have some non non conference games in there. They could they could possibly compete and win in. The conference is going to be tough to win a game. I think with the way they they need to build. Right. And for a first year coach, no matter where you came from. You, you have to rebuild the whole team. Right. That's asking a lot. It's asking a lot. Yeah. So I agree with you. I see a two and ten or, or at best a three and nine finish for this team. And I think they're going to play vanilla all year because he, he's just going to have to have his coaches out there recruiting every day. He's going to be recruiting every day. Half the day, yeah. half the day recruiting. Yeah, so. I agree. I mean, he – with my with my knowledge, he's probably going to focus on one side, the younger side of the ball, whichever that is, offense, defense. Right. And he's going to want to build that so they'll be good for two or three years. But, um, you know, he could, he could have the worst schedule. He could have the best schedule in, in NCAA football this year, and I don't 
is Dick going to win more than three games? So. Right, in the over-under, 7.5. Oh, smash the under. Smash the under. Smash the under. If even Coastal Carolina, they're, Richmond's going to be tough. Richmond's a tough FCS team. First-time head coach, that's going to be tough. Got to look at Richmond. At Illinois, uh, Brent Villama is the second year. They have good talent. They should be in. Old Dominion's not going to be a gimme. Uh, no. Syracuse is desperate. So, so, Syracuse on a Friday night. Friday night teams win 80% of the time. Syracuse yep. has to win this game. They have to win. Yeah. Yep. With one of the better shots at a win. Little big talent mismatches. Uh, yep. Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's going to be desperate for a win on a Thursday night. 80% of teams on a Thursday night win. Uh, and then look at the next three. <laughs> Coastal Carolina's good too. Coastal Carolina's yep. Yep. I, I don't see them winning more than two games and the over under seven point either. Yep. Smash it. Smash the under. All right. Virginia Tech bringing in a new coach. Basically the same situation as Virginia. Four on offense, seven coming back on defense. And they have 62 career starts on the offensive line. Uh, so that's key. That's key. Brent Pye, another just young guy, defense coordinator at Penn State in their uh, – his assistant coaches aren't um, nothing to really shout at as, as you research it. What do you think, Scott? Virginia Tech Hokies, another down year, two and ten. Yeah, I you know they lost their quarterback, they lost their top running back, they lost they lost their two top receivers, and they lack depth at the offensive line. The recipe for disaster. I mean. <laughs> Without depth on the offensive line, and when you, yeah, yeah when you lose that talent, yeah, yeah, and no depth on the defense, either. they don't have depth at all. They they gotta re, they gotta build some depth in their in their program. Right. So this guy coming in, defensive minded coach, he's going right to the defensive side of the ball. Right. So that tells me that maybe the defense will be a little bit improved, but the offense won't, and that's where the problem is. Is he's not paying any attention to the offense. He's going to focus all his attention on the defense. It's going to be very tough for them to win games and compete in the ACC. Now, maybe in two or three years they'll be able to, but for this year and for, for our sake, you're going to have to hammer the under on Virginia Tech, too, because I, I don't think they win more than three games. Exactly. Yeah. Virginia? Yeah. Boston College looks like a loss. Well, yep. Warford is not a gimme. Remember, the backup quarterback for the Rams is from Warford. Rich school, they can pay money for recruiting. They're going to have decent players. Early in the season, yep. they haven't depleted. West Virginia looks like a loss. North Carolina, Pitt, Miami, North Carolina State. Georgia Tech's not going to be a gimme. At Duke, it's not going to be a gimme. At Liberty, yep. that's, that's where you start hammering the under because Liberty could beat them too. It's at Liberty late in the season, and Coach is good. His mind is going to be 100% recruiting at that point. Right? Because there's only so much this team could do. Probably not going to a bowl game. He's going to be 80% of his time recruiting. 
and having the manager come up with a scheme. And I will say this, that last game, I will, if Virginia Tech's the underdog, I probably would take Virginia Tech. Right. They've won 17 in the last 18 and 13 and 5 against the spread in those games. So I, I might take Virginia Tech in that last game. But that, that might be the only time I even take Virginia Tech at all. Because a man coach who looks like a leader, you might look at them just to be mercifully blown out by like North Carolina. Yeah, like the line. But at North Carolina, at Penn, uh, at Liberty, where people are just picking Virginia Tech because they think Michael Vick still plays there, or they have a Michael Vick Tech guy at Virginia Tech, or Beaver, not Beaver Ball anymore. It's uh, Brent Pry. Right? And if you don't know who Brent Pry is, then you should not be betting Virginia Tech kid. <laughs> so the last team we look at, it might be the best, it might be the worst. Uh, they usually work in two year cycles. Last year, they're coming up 11 3, right? So this guy goes 8 and 5, 4 and 5, now 11 and 3. Look for them to go down. They're definitely not going to win 11 games, right? So they are at 8.5. Uh, seven back on offense, seven on defense, creative coach. Uh, you have series and series of plays, and then you have an offense. Each series of plays, he does a different offense. So he'll come up with plays wishbone, then spread, then pro style, then other things. So as a developmental team, very important. They have 104 guys, uh, four, 104 starts coming on the offensive line. This is ninth year there, and this is not uh, a horse racing true crime, but they had a guy who was their color coordinator, who Dorson uh, or the Clawson, the head coach there, did not hire him as a head coach. We got the Elrod's his name, and he was uh, giving the game plan to the post games, and he still won some of those games. But he's a great coach. Uh, Off eleven and three. VMI to start the season as Vanderbilt. Then Liberty, Liberty's not as good as it should have been. So they're going to be 3 and 0, most likely going into that Clemson, then Florida State. Army, it's going to be a tough game for them. Look that game to go under. What do you think about the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, Scott? I'm in agreement. I don't think they're going to win 11 games. I think they're more of a nine, maybe 10 win team. They, they have. They have some pitfalls in their schedule. You know, they got Clemson, then they got Florida State down there. Then they got Army. That's a pitfall. At Louisville, at NC State, that's a that's a gauntlet two-game stretch. Uh, and North Carolina at home on, at the back end of that. So I can see them losing two of those three. You know, they threw 50 touchdown passes last year. So to me, they're, they're a – a gun and run and gun type of team where they're going to just throw and throw and throw, which means the running game may not be as consistent as it should be, which means defensive coordinators will, will play nickel and dime on them. So I, I don't see them. They took the conference by storm last year. They took them by surprise. I don't think they're taking anybody by surprise this year. That's why they went 11 and 3 because they took teams by surprise. Exactly. And, and they, they will not do that. Whatever you prepare for, if coaches didn't know this right last year, uh, that whatever they prepare for, 
Uh, it might be the opposite because every series is a different offense. Right? You have a series for wishbone, series for spread, series for pro style. They even have the like the wing key. They have a series where they run the wing key. Now he says the coaches know. Okay, just just we're gonna play fast. Just look for one key, right? Look for one key where people line up, and we're gonna give you the signal from the sideline. They might not have known that last year, and they just put it well. This year's gonna be different, right? Different side of defenses. They'll disguise more what defenses they're in because they know what their offensive coordinator is trying to do. You, like you said, it's tough sledding. Uh, the only sure wins I see for them is VMI at Vanderbilt. Liberty can really go either way. Army can literally go either way. Uh, and that's it. Syracuse, Syracuse, their last two games, Syracuse and Duke. I see wins with those two teams, too. Beat them. I think Syracuse can beat them because of the talent. You think so? Coaching factor. So that's not a – we've got to see the injuries at that point. So yeah. Yep. I see four short wins uh, with worse. If they develop talent. Yeah. So they can get up and uh, out motivated. They commit bad luck too. They commit a couple turnovers. They could be in trouble. I think so too. I, you know, I, I'm sure they're a nine and a half win over under team. Right. I might lean toward the under on that. Right. Because I think it might get to ten, and if it gets to ten, you definitely you could go the under. I'm gonna go the oh. under. I bet it. Somebody bets this up at 10, I'm definitely going in. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't – other than Clemson, I don't think – Vanderbilt's not a gimme. No, that's not a gimme. That is not – they're not they're not conference with Vanderbilt in there. That's not a gimme. Um, you know, they have a – Army? Army is never a gimme to anybody. Right. For sure. So, to me, this, this screams – Okay, you had an eleven and three season. You took teams by surprise. This year, teams are going to scheme for you, and you're not going to have as much success. No, especially passing the ball. Fifty touchdowns, just fifty touchdowns throwing the ball. There's no way you're throwing close to fifty this year. Maybe forty, not fifty. No. So. All right, so that's the ACC. Uh, Feel good. A lot of money to be made in the SEC. What are your final words, Scott? I think it's going to be a very tough conference this year. I, I don't think there's any gimme games in there. You know, I, you know, you, we talked about Duke, we talked about Virginia, Virginia Tech, but occasionally those teams are going to step up and play some good games against some good teams. So, you know, you have to do your research, as we've told you. You have to look at. Um, Weather in terms of Miami and Florida State, exactly. if it's going to be hot and humid, if you have Beast Boston College or Pitt coming down there, you want to smash the second half line in favor of Florida State and Miami. So that's my thought. No, 100%. 100%. And a lot of money made on this podcast. Uh, pointing in the right direction for pointing ourselves really in the right direction. Where to look on some of these? Where where to do the research? And looking some stuff up during the podcast. Action sports came up, <laughs> and the, the public line. Oh, 
give us $300 for our own line. No, we teach you how to come up with your own line, do your own research, come up with your own line, and then place a short-term investment. So all this information, $71,000 this podcast is worth, we give you that information for free. And like Winston Churchill said, we make a living from your labor, but we make your life from what you give. Thank you for listening to ESBC Sports Betting Podcast Network. Where's the record button? So here it is. Hey, Chaplain, eyes on me! We just got a phone call! We just got a phone call! You know what I know! But you didn't cry!